0: How time flies. This episode of RAW kicks off year three. Adventure Rider Radio has been around for about three and a half years now, but RAW's been out for two of those years. So this this episode, it's the first one of our, our third years, pretty cool. And now, as you may know, Adventure Rider Radio and Adventure Rider Radio Raw is powered by some ads, at least for Adventure Rider Radio goes and your support completely for Adventure Rider Radio Raw. And we really appreciate the support from listeners like yourself because we couldn't do it without you. So, we have a support page set up at Adventure Rider Radio, www.adventurerideradio.com, and you can support with any amount. Anything $10 or more is going to get you a sticker sent back at you. Anything $50 or more is going to get you a mention on the show right now. That's what I'm about to do. So, you can opt out for that as well if you want to do it anonymously. That's fine. So, for this month, we've had some really generous listeners who have donated $50 or more, and I want to give a shout-out for them. The, uh, the list is as such... William Smith, Afan Pasalic, Mike Fitterling. Mike Fitterling, by the way, is Road Dog Publications. Brian Muir, Gabrielle Judici. I know that name. Andrew Malin and Steve Amstutz. Thank you all very much. It really goes a long, long way for us to produce these shows and pay for everything that goes along with it. If you'd like to help out the show, again, any amount is great. Drop by the website ww.adventurideradio.com and click on the support button. Thanks very much. Enjoy this episode of Adventure Rider Radio Raw for January 2018. When not ready?
1: Uh, this really is where I ready, I
2: swear we Are we nearly there yet? <laughs> <laughs>
0: From the Canoe West Media studio on the shores of Vancouver Island, British Columbia, Canada, it is January 2018, and welcome to Adventure Rider Radio Raw. Roundtable discussions about motorcycles, travel, and basically anything else that crosses our mind, completely unscripted, raw, and personal. My name is Jim Martin, and today at the virtual roundtable afforded through the magic of the internet, I am joined by my regular Overland co-host. I'm going to start with Shirley Hardy-Ricks. Good afternoon, Shirley.
1: Uh, good afternoon, Jim and everybody from lovely, sunny Castlemaine in the Goldfields in Victoria. It's a beautiful day down here today, but you probably don't want to know that. <laughs> well, it's no. hard to
0: believe you guys are swimming in the pool when we're sitting in the cold here.
1: Yep, yep. It's uh, It's been very much pool weather. We did have one day last week where it was 41, which was a little on the hot side but today it's about 30, it's really quite glorious.
0: Yeah, we saw that in the news, that's, that's just a little, 41 is just a little on the hot side?
1: Oh, it was really hot, debilitatingly hot, yeah. Yes. wasn't wasn't pleasant at all.
0: So everybody goes in at that point, you sit inside with air conditioning?
1: Yeah, pretty much, we sat in the pool a fair bit drinking um, cold drinks.
0: Oh, yeah. But you get scorched by the sun pretty heavy though.
1: We've got a, We've actually got a sail over the top of our pool so wow. it's in the shade. Most of it is in the shade, so it was really, it's really quite pleasant.
3: I was concerned about our guests uh, who didn't get out of the pool too much from consuming a fair bit of alcohol. <laughs> there's Brian, some, there's some chemicals Brian. you can
0: add to show that. But but uh, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you guys know Richard Branson?
1: We know of him. Well, we don't just, know him personally. Okay,
0: I just figured with the sound of your house, I just figured he's probably a neighbor or something. You might want to check.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he could be living in the East Wing and we haven't heard him, yeah,
0: Exactly. So we'll go and right. check. Hey, when you finally get around all the different rooms, let us know how many you have.
1: Okay, we'll do.
3: And of course, by your side, Brian. Oh, Hello, Brian. Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's been a beautiful day up here. I just had to get out of the budgie smugglers and um, get, uh, get uh, dry so we can get on with this. Uh, but um, I'll have to turn the barbie down and go and get myself a cold beer, I think, sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Budgie smugglers, for those who aren't Australian or happen to know one, are uh, something that you just don't want to see Brian wear.
1: You don't want to see anyone wear them. And we had a prime minister who used to make a habit of wearing them in public. <laughs> he's no longer our prime minister let me tell you now
0: well we also have grant johnson grant who's on the same coast as me good evening grant good evening everybody how's it going what's happening down
4: there for your for your weather wise you have a good day today yeah we had a good day other than it was just kind of gray and cloudy which after the severe nasty horrible ice storm we had recently was very pleasant
0: was yeah big you change you guys got knocked uh, knocked uh, with heavy ice and lost your power and everything
4: yeah, we had, uh, I think we had about six-hour power outage. People in the area were out for a couple of days. The whole area was just decimated by the ice, the, the trees everywhere. You drive down the street, and there's pieces of tree in the street everywhere. It's just amazing. Um, we had trees out back of our place. When the ice storm first really hit, we were sitting out in the back, just inside where it was warm. And every 30 seconds, you could hear a crack and a crash as a branch broke off and it for the ground. And there was wow. whole trees coming down. It was just staggering. I love Amazing that Amazing to watch. Weather.
0: Just great. I, I just love it when things like that happen. I mean, I don't want anybody to get hurt, of course, but it's just, it's fun to have chaos. It's an excuse to sort of break from your routine, get away from work, do something, go out and see the sights.
4: Yeah, I used to love going to Long Beach on Vancouver Island in the winter, in January or so, when they had all the major storms and the logs were being thrown up the, uh, on the beach and Wind was howling, it was fantastic, yeah. And now that's the whole tourism thing, storm watching on the west coast. Isn't a lot it? of people go, Yeah, a lot well, of people I was go. doing that. I was doing that over 40 years ago when it was a dirt road. <laughs> it's changed a lot. You were doing it
0: from a Volkswagen van. These people are actually going and staying in a fancy resort. Well, it's sort of like the Ricks' house. Uh,
4: right. I was doing it in a Volkswagen <laughs> van, in fact.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a D and a half show.
0: We also have Sam Manicom and up at 5 a.m. in the UK. Good morning, Sam.
5: Hello, everybody. Do I sound incredibly chipper with just that hello? I actually feel it this morning. It's really, really nice. day. It's pitch black out, I mind.
0: Is 5 a.m. a normal time for you?
5: Um, I'm more a morning person than I am a night person. So, um, yeah, I've been up since 4, made a coffee, had a bowl of muesli, all good healthy stuff. And um, I'm on my third cup of coffee, so I'm, I'm my 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 grey cells are pinging beautifully.
0: Wow, <laughs> nice! And you've got a little bit of whiskey to taint that with, I guess, as we get going along here. I mean, it it'll be six before oh, long. Me,
5: perish the thought. <laughs> I might actually have to treat myself and turn the heating on in a minute, though. That is, it is fairly chilly here this morning, mind you. An Inuit. Now, uh, this is highly appropriate for you to you and Grant, of course, would probably think that it was quite warm, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually going to get um, a taste of the real cold next month, but more on that later.
0: From Bulgaria, in the snow, in the freezing cold, but not late at night. Graham, good morning at 7 a.m.
2: It is, yeah, it's 7 o'clock. It's not that cold, actually. We've been let off lightly this year, so it's quite bearable. The firewood is going to last easily. And it doesn't matter because I'm off to India next week anyway, so none of that matters.
0: India, how long are you going there for? Uh, Only three weeks. Just a little break. Nice. So what are you going to be planning to do there? Are you riding?
2: No, no. It's an overland trip, but it's like 30,000 foot overland in an airplane. So uh, we just, uh, no, nothing really. Uh, Not really traveling much. Mumbai Delhi, and a place in the middle where we're going to hang out for a couple of weeks, which is by Wildlife Reserve, Hill Station, sunrises, sunsets, tigers, and not much else really. So just absolutely uh, a real It's not about sightseeing. It's not about traveling or backpacking. It's just about going somewhere and doing bugger or eating Indian food, drinking chai and watching the world.
0: How do you stop yeah. your pipes from That's freezing great. when you do that?
2: Uh, well, you either hope it's not going to get super cold or you drain the whole system. I'm not sure which one of those I'm going to do yet. Because the thing is, I bought some really expensive um, stuff that you put in your heating system over from England, which you can't get here. And it's not just a, it's like a lubricant and a thing to stop it gurgling, and um, it's got all sorts of cool. And if I drain the system, I'm going to lose all that. I don't know what I'm going to do about that one, Jim. Thanks for bringing the negativity into me, holiday. Hey, t- <laughs>
0: you see, the way you're describing it there, you've got a boiler system.
2: Well, I've got a back boiler on the back of the log burner. So wow. That's really neat. That's how we all heat our houses here. um,
3: We've got no idea what you're talking about. This is uh, just a foreign language to us. (laughs) It sounds like a house enema or something. I don't know.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That's the beauty of travel.
0: (laughs) Well, so to to kick it off today, we um, we have a question from one of our listeners who we talked to a fair bit, Sam Manicom. (laughs)
5: <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam, do you want to talk about this one? Um, what are we talking about?
0: We're talking about overlanding and a tent.
5: Oh, that one. Yes. Yeah, my question was, do you really need to go overlanding with a tent? Mm. Um, I guess it goes through my mind quite a lot because – um. You know, A tent can be expensive, it can be bulky, it can be heavy, um, it can be a right pain in the neck um, unloading and loading your bike and all of this sort of stuff. Um, and for me, the simple answer has to be, well, no, you don't need a tent because you can always find somewhere to stay or use a bivvy bag or a hammock or a ground sheet. Um, In fact, um, I don't know, about a week ago, I posted on my Facebook page about two guys using their bikes as supports and a ground sheet and canvas slung over them as protection. And I looked at it, and I know it was staged. It was staged, I guess, from around the 1920s or something like that.
0: It was Harley-Davidson, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, that's right, yes. Um, But I looked at this, and I thought, well, actually, you know, uh, perhaps people like Austin Vince have got it right. You really don't need to have a tent. But, um, I mean, in some countries, it's so incredibly cheap to stay in the basic hotels, isn't it, that, you know, staying and taking a tent with you just makes no sense. Um, But I I still try to live with that that travel motto, if you eat well and you sleep well, then you travel with a smile. And for me, a tent is um, a significant part of the sleeping well bit.
0: This sort of depends on where you're camping as well because I mean what is it what does a tent really do for you I mean it, it gives you well I guess it gives you some sort of privacy if that's what you're after but it protects you from the elements which would be the the wind and the rain and then in particular mosquitoes insects that sort of things and I guess it sort of gives you some sort of protection whether it's a it's an illusion or not from wildlife
5: No absolutely I think that that's uh, that's that's spot on And I think, I mean, as far as security is concerned, out of sight, out of mind is is quite often a good thing. And I've been on campsites in the States, for example, and I've seen people using hammocks. And some of these hammocks just incredibly trick things. Um, Although I think the most trick hammock that I ever came across was in Thailand. Um, This was army surplus but instead of being sort of really heavy-duty canvas and so on, it was an incredibly lightweight nylon material. But this hammock was waterproof, and it had a flap that got, went over the top that popped down, down the side, so it actually made the hammock waterproof as a whole, um, and it had a single pole around where the face was, and that single pole um, supported some mosquito netting. And I thought, what a brilliant bit of kit this is. And I really regret not having bought it. But having said that, I kind of like my tent. Um, because it does allow you to put everything out of, out of sight, doesn't it? And with a hammock. I don't know. I was walking past, and other people were walking past, and everybody was sort of looking over at this hammock that was slung between the trees. Whereas nobody was paying a blind bit of notice to a tent.
0: I also use a hammock, actually, and I I mean, I love a hammock, but a lot of people get freaked out about being tied up between two trees like like bait. There's a guy that actually recently wrote us a a letter about this, and he he was saying the same sort of thing. He can handle everything to do with the outdoors except for this fear of of getting eaten, and he uses the uh, same thing, a hammock. And he's worried about the fact that he's sort of hung up there like bait you know your butt is the lowest in there <laughs> it, it does make you somewhat vulnerable
2: can you reinforce that
5: bit <laughs> i think i could argue that being on the ground makes you more vulnerable <laughs> i suppose with a hammock you can get yourself well up in the trees but i'm not sure if sleepwalkers are going to be too happy about that
0: well, well the, the thing with a hammock too you have to be careful of it, is you don't set it up on an animal path and if you don't have you know those uh, if you don't have the eyes for for spotting that sort of thing in the wilderness a lot of times when people find two trees spaced apart it's also you know a, a runway for animals to go along <laughs> so it can be quite a surprise when your dark green hammock at night becomes the roadblock for a moose walking through depending on where you're camping
4: I think you need to be a little bit more careful than that. I've had been parked in a tent and had hippos walking right beside us. That was not, not very pleasant either. You know, you're on the ground. A hippo just has to step over a little bit and
3: step on you. Hey, tell, me, tell me, when you're sleeping in a hammock, how do you sleep on your side?
0: Well, actually, the, the thing with a hammock, if you get a properly designed hammock, is you, you don't sleep straight along the line of the rope. You sleep slightly off axis, and when you do that, you get pretty flat. You you get fairly flat, so you can sleep on your side. I can't. It's not completely flat, at least for me. I can't lay on my stomach, um, but I can definitely sleep on my side, no problem at all.
3: Mm, okay, uh, you need to look at some back, of the I just think that it'll be pretty hard going. That's all.
0: Actually, I I find the hammock, and I hate to sound like I sound like I'm selling hammocks here, but if you want to order one, drop by the website. No, I'm kidding. Um, But but, uh, I, I find the hammock is my most comfortable sleep. It's far better than a tent. I mean, I'll take it over the tent anytime.
1: But what happens if you can't find somewhere to string it up?
0: Well, I have had times like that where I have to use my motorcycle for, for one side of it, and then I end up having to rope my motorcycle down to roots and stuff so it doesn't fall over on me, and then use a tree from another spot. Or I've taken sticks and fastened them up and made a tripod. It can be quite a pain in the butt. And there are methods for setting it up on the ground, but of course, then you're a tent.
1: And, and what about Elizabeth? Sorry? What about, <laughs> oh, okay, <fine. laughs> Don't mention the my, wall. I my, I got away that was it, quick, but,
0: Jim. My hammock is just for me. It's a one-person hammock. I don't think you can get two people in a hammock. So that's when I'm traveling solo. Okay.
1: So what do you do when you're traveling together?
0: Tent. Then we have a tent. And tent. we have a really nice, beautiful, thick, wide pad that, that uh, we fit on that makes the sleep quite comfortable, but still not a, t- not a hammock. So anybody else, your thoughts on, on taking a tent? Do you, do you guys think that you should be ri- running around with the tent? or you think you can get by without well, it?
3: Well, if I, I go with our, our first um, trip, actually, um, when we were heading ac- across from uh, the UK back to Australia, I thought we would need a tent and all this uh, extra paraphernalia. And I'm trying to work out how we can carry... Our tent and sleeping bags and all the rest of it, um, to up on the bike with all the other stuff that we wanted to do, and it just sounded like it's going to be too bulky. And then I started talking to people about travelling across that overland route, and they said, "Don't bother, don't take one." So uh, in the end, we didn't. And um, yes, you, you pay a higher price for a bed in Europe, but as you moved across from Turkey and Iran, Pakistan. Into India and places like that, you wouldn't be bothered with a tent because you can get a bed, as Sam said, at dirt cheap. And um, when you averaged it out over the whole journey, it was probably the most economical way to do things. We did carry a bike cover, and I've spoken about carrying a bike cover before, um, and. In an emergency situation, our thing was that we would um, get underneath the bike cover and we'd have some sort of protection from the bike cover if we needed it. But as it turned out, we only had one night on the road. And um, when we then travelled into South America, we didn't take camping gear at all. We just uh, cruised around from B&B, hostel to hostel or whatever, and um, really enjoyed it. But... When we got into the States, we really wanted to explore the high country and the, the national parks, and we needed camping gear. We wanted camping gear to go and explore those beautiful regions um, uh, away from the maddening crowds, and to me, that was the perfect way to do it. What do you think, Sure?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the first trip we didn't well. I kind of don't miss a tent at any time, but um, I did enjoy camping in North America, but when we did our last trip, we used the tent once.
3: Mm, Going across go Russia across once. Russia.
1: We used it once in in Central America in a hostel that had run out of rooms, but we pitched a tent in their garden in um Tajikistan, I think.
0: Mm.
1: but everywhere else, a guest a guest house for ten bucks a night, which is dinner bed and breakfast. And why would you bother? Really?
0: Graham, how do you weigh in on this?
2: Uh, yeah, for me it's definitely a tent. Uh, it's not just a budget thing. Firstly, I do not subscribe to the Austin Vids theory of a tarpaulin over the bikes. It all sounds wonderful, but if it's warm enough that you can sleep with just a tarpaulin over your bikes, and it's warm enough for things to creep and crawl and bite, and even if those things that creep and crawl and bite don't kill you, they're still going to disturb you. And it goes back to what Sam says, it's about having a good night's sleep. So that whole idea of, oh, yeah, I can just put a tarpaulin over the top and I'll be fine underneath it, that's great if you're like a hardcore teenager or something, but I don't think it's really that ideal. I think the wonderful thing about a tent is it just gives you that ability to spontaneously stop wherever you like. And it takes out that stress of oh my god it's getting dark and i still can't find a guest house or a bed and breakfast or anything i like that but apart from the fact i just travel on a budget i like to have that choice it's like electric starter and a kickstarter you've just got that backup knowing that you've got a tent that you can stay somewhere also maybe you'll meet some cool people and they say oh we're going to stay here tonight oh well i haven't got a tent so i'm going to have to go and find a guest house and maybe i'll see you tomorrow i I, I like the tent option. I would travel without a stove before i travel without a tent because food is easier to find, I think, than sleep and accommodation. It's easier and less bulky to carry some muesli bars and that. But, no, I'm definitely in favour of, of taking the tent. I agree that once you get, or well, certain countries, you know, from for a point from, from Bulgaria, sort of east from Bulgaria, Turkey and onwards, you really don't need one. And consequently, I've got some tents in my house, which travellers have come through and left. We, From this point on, we're not going to camp anymore. And certainly, you know, in places like India, China or wherever, you uh, Southeast Asia, it, you really don't need it. You don't need it, but it's still nice to have that option. And I have camped in those countries and... Uh, Because sometimes, and and also, when you know, it may be very cheap to get a room in India, but my God, the noise, doors slam, TVs blare, dogs bark, engines scream. If you've got a tent, you can camp somewhere quieter. It's a little bit difficult in India, but you can find quiet places and you may get a better night's sleep. So, yeah, I'm in favour of a tent.
1: Certainly, I'd go tent, not tarp, any time. Tarp doesn't (laughs) sound very... Satisfactory at all. Well,
2: tarp to me
0: always sounds like it's a backup. I mean, that, that's a great emergency yeah. thing, but I mean, like Graham said, it doesn't give you any protection from the, the bugs and anything else that's going to bite you or, or crawl in. I mean, there's a lot of things you get from a tent, and you're not saving that much with the weight of a tarp.
3: Yeah, you've, you've heard of uh, swags over here in Australia, have you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, swags are a, a pretty good option. You know, if you're traveling solo. You can just throw them down on the ground. They're waterproof, Um, they don't allow bugs in as long as you keep your zips closed when you're getting in and out. And they're they're actually a pretty good option and they pack down fairly well too.
0: For those who don't know, describe the Swag. Swag is, um,
3: it's like a hammock, but it goes on the ground and it normally has one or two hoops over it to keep the the heavier duty, uh, waterproof um, canvas off your body. But it's basically a a big sleeping bag and inside it, it's normally got a mattress of some description, sometimes inflatable, sometimes um, uh, a rubberized um, foam mattress. And uh, a lot of um, outback people swear by a swag and take nothing else. I've seen truckies pull up on the side of the road in the outback and just roll their swag out in the ground and um, they can get covered in dust. You see them on top of four-wheel drives all the time, the bigger versions, and um, normally the biker swags obviously are a lot smaller, um, but I actually have seen um, double swags for those um, lovers who are so so inclined, but um, <laughs> the, the biker swags are um, a pretty good, pretty good option actually if you're just travelling solo and you can lay them out anywhere, no problem. You're not, you don't have to look for sticks or trees or hang them off your bike. So, um, yeah, to me, they're, they're a pretty good
4: option. In North America, the, the rough equivalent of that is a bivy sack, which is effectively the outside of a swag, and you just throw a sleeping bag and a mattress inside. But otherwise, oh, yeah. it's basically the same concept. Yeah, I, yeah. I, can't well, help, but wonder, I can't help but wonder why
0: anyone would want the, the mat built into the bivy sack, I mean, if it, you know, in comparing the two, because that's really the Less difference effort. between the two. Yeah, but it, it squishes the whole problems. thing up and it's small. Sure, but it creates the problems of if you if you get wet, you got this whole thing to dry. No, out. It,
3: do, it doesn't get wet; it's, it's it's completely dry inside. But what if it did get wet? Like
0: even on your bike as you're riding, you know, if, if you're riding through a bunch of rain, yeah. and it gets
3: it's not supposed I, to let your
4: gear get wet. You put it in a waterproof bag. Oh. The, 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 these, doing these, the these, things,
3: these things are these <laughs> things are made of pretty heavy duty canvas and Jim and they um, you see them on the top of four wheel drives all the time out in the weather. And um, they don't get wet. Simple as that. They're treated and they're they're, they're damn good. But if they do, inside, you just pull the mattress out, let it dry.
0: Oh, so you can pull it out. Okay, so it's sort of like an advanced bivy sack then to, to our comparison anyway.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. there's a pocket that goes in them and you slide the sleeping mat down inside that. I've used one when I've been in Australia on a couple of trips mm. and I really, like think, them, um, I really like them. I really like them. Um, they're really practical bits of kit, but they're darn heavy in comparison to the bivvy bag. And that was what stopped me using them in the end. Um, and I've often thought the bivvy bags um, should all be made with the pocket for the sleeping mat to sit into because one of the things that I liked about the bivvy bag was that when the sleeping mat had slid into that pocket, it gave the thing a sort of rigidity. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
4: yeah. It's not slithering around and getting twisted up, especially when you roll over in the
3: middle of the night. Yeah, the lighter versions that they're bringing out with the swags now are pretty damn good, actually.
5: Oh, it's interesting. I mean, uh, it was years ago when I used one last, so um, it probably has developed a lot since then. But I mean, when you were talking about people using them on top of four by fours, yeah, I've seen that too. And it just, it's a, a really easy, simple system to use. And I couldn't see an awful lot of points in people using, um, you know, four by four rooftop tents and things like that. Where you just throw your swag up there in a couple of minutes. And well, I mean, the cost saving is huge, isn't it? Swag versus rooftop tent. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and that was one of the things about a tent. I and mean, I, I just had a little play around um, with some figures when I was looking at this, and I was thinking, well, you know, what's the average price of a decent two-person tent? Well, it's around two hundred and fifty US dollars. Is is that a fair sort of thought? Yeah, reasonable mid-range. Um, reason. Yeah. Yeah, reasonable mid-range. I mean, I don't go for the top-range tents. I've got too many friends who've had their top-range tents stolen off camping sites because they're obviously incredibly wonderful bits of kit, and they've come back from their days riding, and their tent's no longer there. So I would I would never have a top-range. But besides that, um, when I was looking at the figures, I was thinking, well, 250 bucks, you can go a hell of a long way fuel-wise for 250 in in many parts of the world. Um, 250 bucks with um, prices of fuel in Kenya, for example, would take you halfway down the continent of Africa. It's quite a thought, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but once you've spent that 250, you've got no more accommodation costs. You're going to have a lot more <laughs> Accommodation's going to cost you a lot more. now
5: well, then you just sleep commando with the hippos. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I see the logic <laughs> of that.
0: I'm with Graham. I'm not sure I buy him that.
5: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you notice those insects coming, don't you?
1: <laughs> it is a one-off um, expense. Graham's right.
5: Get a good one that's going
1: to last you for more than a month. It's not going to fall apart, and yeah. uh, it's there with you forever.
3: I mean, if we've yeah, really not
1: Oh, we've got heaps of bloody things. We've got, <laughs> <middle> ones, <laughs> ones, and we've got we've got the most luxurious thing called an Oz tent, which takes a minute to put up. You can stand up in it. It's clearly for the car, not not for when you're on the motorbike. It takes half an hour and masses of obscene language to try and wrestle it into submission <laughs> and get it get it back into its bag.
4: Now we know why That's you really good. don't like tents, Cheryl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not the putting up, it's the putting them back in their wretched bags. They never fit as well back in as they can't do coming out.
4: I've got an MSR they, they tent now, t- which is they finally got that part actually smart. The stuff sack is part of the the, the tent, I think, or the fly or something. And it's not actually a stuff sack. It's a big, loose, open, I don't know how to, what to call it, but think of a big bag, and you put everything in it, and then you pull a drawstring, and the whole thing tightens up. And the drawstring is the length of the what would normally be a stuff sack, so it's a huge drawstring. The drawstring baggy part is, I don't know, two feet across, 30 centimetres, 60 centimetres across, so it's that huge. That it is,
3: that's, it's really that's, easy. That makes a lot of sense. I'm actually going to get Wonder a bag. Design. Well, I'm using this Oztent to go across the Simpson Desert near the four-wheel drive, and uh, I'm going to get a new bag made for it because the bag they make is just not big enough.
1: It fits in perfectly when it comes out of the factory, but that's the last
3: <laughs> time
1: it fits into the bag with ease.
5: And <laughs> do you know, I'm imagine the do you know, I... biceps on those guys who are stuffing those in the factory?
4: I oh, it's actually the little women that have very really tiny fingers and they can really squeeze things in just absolutely Perfectly. Once, you know that's one of the problems Once. of buying
0: a lower end tent is you find that they often don't fit into the bags very well. But I was going to say I, I like the idea what Sam's saying about um, buying the lower end tent. So you're not you're not buying this high end tent that's going to get stolen on you, or potentially get stolen on you. But one thing, if you're buying, I find if you're buying a lower end tent, is it's it's a good idea to invest in a quality tarp. To go with it, because you can get mm-hmm. these silicone impregnated tarps that are, that are so small, you could literally stuff it in your jacket pocket. It's that tiny uh, if you get one of the smaller ones. And that can make all the difference if you find yourself out in some real weather, because one thing with a, a, a lower grade tent is they tend to not stand up so well to the weather. And, and if you're in a really wet climate, it's good to have a sheet of plastic that you put in there, like a like a bathtub almost, inside. And when you set up the tent, you put the plastic inside, you make sort of a bathtub, and that way, if the bottom leaks, you're going to stay dry. So it goes along good with a lower-quality yeah, tent. I've got
2: a high-end tent, and, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, the, it's the tent equivalent of Brian and Shirley's house. It's wow. One, <laughs> it's That's <big>. impressive.
5: <laughs> That's that big too, eh, <laughs> oh it
2: my heart tits <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some various domes and wings around it but so how um, does
5: it work with the swimming pool when it rolls out
2: what <laughs> does it roll in <laughs> well that's the point when it rains you don't get a swimming pool and um and i have been camped on the side of hills in valleys and uh and thunderstorms just rattling around all night and not a single drop of water and Yes, I suppose there is an element to it. If if you're parked in a in a if you're camped in a campground, it's a, an attractive steal for somebody possibly. Although generally, when I'm I don't leave them unattended for that long. It's possible it could get stolen. Anything could get stolen when it's unattended, couldn't it? But um, it's not really. I I like the. The workmanship and the waterproofness and the design and the and the quality of my good tent and um it's 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 like when you wear a good helmet you never go back it's a it's a wonderful yeah. thing.
1: I'll Graeme, agree with is that. It a,
2: mm-hmm. Is it a two-person tent, Graham, or? Three well, person? it depends on what the people are really.
6: Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, wait
5: a second. Yeah, wait a second.
0: It depends on whether you're going to have two or three in your tent, or I'm not sure what you mean by <laughs> that.
2: <laughs>
5: No, he's making sizist comments.
2: <laughs> room for one more coming backwards. Uh, no, there's, uh, I, think...
5: I don't get it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so. I think it's probably technically a two or two and a half man tent. I had a one man tent for a while, waste bloody time. You can't get anything in there, you can't get panniers in there, boots in there, you can't do anything when you're in there. If you are trapped on a really wet day, you want to at least be able to move around a little bit and, I don't know, clean out a pannier or do one of those little indoor things that you have been postponing while you've been on the road. So. To answer your question, it's a, at least a two-man. You could probably, at a squeeze, if you left everything outside, get three people in there, but you could comfortably get two.
1: We've got a big Agnes, and it's a two-person tent, and um, two and a bit. I think it's because wow. there's enough room for boots and bike pants in the tent.
3: But the beauty of that tent is uh, it's it's got uh, access from both sides, yeah, so great. that's a requirement, yeah. and <laughs> a fly two, on, on either side, and it's it's really good. I've yes. got to say,
2: no crying. That's also a good thing. So, yep. it's good, so it's also a good thing if you camp alone and you hear noises. Mine's got uh, a sort of a door at both ends and you've basically, because of that, you've got 360 degree vision so you can see what the hell it is is outside
5: that's making that <laughs>
1: boring,
2: s- stomping noise.
1: <laughs> and an escape route. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. either
5: way, you can go out.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's curious. also
5: it's also a very civilised thing, isn't it? Because inevitably one of you is going to want to get up to the loo in the middle of the night, aren't you? And not exactly. having to climb over your friend. Um, yeah. makes so much sense. Um, I'll actually, I actually, Graham so- uh, and Grant, Sorry, I agree with what side. you say about, um, a good quality tent. I mean, I just don't go for the top range, but I definitely wouldn't go for a bottom range tent. It's no. just not worth it. And you just got to look at the ground place. sheets on those things and, and themselves. And you can see that they're going to let water through in two days, let alone, you know, six months to a year on the road. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the stitching
4: and you know it's just not going to last. You know, they've got like six stitches per inch instead of a good quality 10. There's a big yeah. difference. So, how it's long the difference it's between last
5: you being in a, or, in a force eight storm and your tent being the only one that's still there? Yep. Um, Had the experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's things like checking the the better quality tents. I'm not talking top of the range, but the better quality tents, they'll have enough guy lines so that you can really peg yourself out properly. Whereas the, the poor quality tents, you look at where those guy lines attach and you just think, good grief, that's not going to stand heavy breathing, let alone anything else.
4: Yeah, you know, um, the tie ropes are just going to rip right off the tent. It's so poor quality. Yeah, these $100 tents just do not cut it. They're fine for a weekend for kids, but anything more than that, forget it.
5: Shirley was making me laugh when she was describing getting the tent back into um, the, the stuff sack. Um, tents can be a great source of entertainment, can't they? Um, I was in a, a Boy, village in yeah. Africa one time, and um, the 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 chief wanted to 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 see what my what my living accommodation was like, and I just put it up on the edge of the village, and he came over and he sort of looked at it and looked at me and looked back at the thing and he was shaking his head, and then with sign language he asked if he could climb down inside the thing. He was not impressed, but this was a very small one-man tent, so I used to call it the space capsule. It was it was a ridiculous bit of equipment for overlanding. It was far too Seriously? small.
4: Yeah, I've got one uh, of those for when I'm going out just on a solo ride in the woods, just as a backup if I might think I might be out for two nights. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, we always used a a three-person tent, which effectively is a comfortable two-person, and you can put your helmet inside, and it's relatively comfortable. Anything less than that, it's too hard. Yeah, Yeah, well, you want, you want compact. You want it to be small, because otherwise, it just gets too bulky, especially when you're two up. And that's always the issue we've had is when we, when we headed off in 87, the size of tents and the size of sleeping bags was enormous. And a couple of years ago, we bought new tent and new sleeping bags, and we actually took a picture of them side by side. And the new stuff is a third to a quarter of the size of the old stuff that we headed off with in 87. Yeah. Staggering improvement in size. So we often get people asking this exact question, should I take a tent When I'm going traveling and I agree completely with Shirley and Brian that you don't need a tent. But on the other hand, it's nice to have. So I always recommend go for the tiniest, smallest, most compact stuff you can. And if you never use it, it's not a big deal. But if you need it and you really need it, then okay, you've got it. So it's always nice to have that. And there are places where you might want to do a little bit of camping. There's some beautiful places in the world. um, Bolivia, for instance, you could do all of South America without a tent. But if you want to go into the really interesting places in Bolivia, well, you really might want a tent. And some of the back roads and some of the back areas that I've been in, yeah, you're going to need a tent because there really isn't much else there. So it's nice to have that option. But I don't think of it as, a, as, a, as my primary. I'm going to be camping most of the time because, as everybody has said, it's so cheap to get a good bed. Why would you camp, especially when there are no campgrounds and you've really got to look hard to try and find someplace where you can camp? Without waking up in the morning, and there's ten people standing around looking at you, you now that that gets old pretty quick. Graham, did you have something? Oh, I kind of like
5: that, Grant. It's a great way to make friends. But anyway, well, that's, yes, that's but, but every morning, I don't know.
4: <laughs> I remember waking um, up in Africa once, and there was a lot more than ten people standing around. We just kind of looked at oh, the whole around. village. God, oh yeah. I You're don't know where the village was. It. We never saw the village. <laughs> we were sure we were in the middle of nowhere, but they found us. What do you guys think about color of tent? <laughs> um, not yellow. A
2: question? It's a good.
4: It's an important question. Not yellow because yellow attracts bugs. Uh, green is a good one because it disappears That's better.
1: S is kind of orange. orange. Yeah. Uh, The reason
5: I ask that question is because I'm always torn between – because I like to wild camp, and so I'm always hunting out corners. And I know that if I'm using a pale green tent, then I'm going to blend in pretty much with everything. Um, And also a paler color means that you reflect quite a lot of the heat away in comparison to a dark um, colored tent. But Mm -hmm. for taking photographs, drop-dead gorgeous scenery, you stick a pale green tent in, and the thing just hides – But if you're traveling with a red or a blue tent or something like that, in this just wonderful scenery, that becomes the focal point that you haven't got otherwise. And I'm always torn because of that.
4: Well, here's a secret tip for you. Put a flashlight inside and turn it on.
6: Yeah, yeah, the flashlight
5: works but yeah. um, only in sort of mid-light. But, I mean, I suppose the old, other alternative is to carry a, um, a really bright version of the tarp that Jim was talking about just now yeah. and and ha- have that as your colour um, focal point.
0: I cannot imagine riding around with some brightly coloured tent. I mean, your tent should match the colour of your riding suit, which should match the colour <laughs> of your motorcycle. <laughs> this, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you have to look the
4: part. Well, you have to have a red suit, Jim.
0: <laughs> so and that's red tent for Christmas time. And a
4: red bike. <laughs> in the photo composition class I teach, I always say that one of the things you've got to have is make sure that your buddy's wearing a red jacket because that's your focal point of color. You need it.
0: Graham, did you have something? You tried to get in there a couple of times and they just stomped all over you.
2: Yeah, no, it's gone now. You know, my attention span's like, no idea. I'll have to listen back. Yeah, I know. As you start to get to the
0: advanced years, you know, you can't hold a thought for all that long. Do you find that? What were you saying? Yeah, I think... (laughs) um... So the only other thing I was going to throw in with the tent thing is is uh, just a tip for, uh, like, I, I know we sort of went off on, do we need to take a tent? And we talked a lot about tents, which I think there's a lot of great information, a lot of great ideas there. Um, I was going to say about, um, there seems to be this, or at least there was a, a, for a while there, this push on stuffing things in your stuff sacks rather than rolling them and saying, don't roll your sleeping bag, don't roll your tent, just stuff it in. I would highly recommend you roll your tent always. You know, put your poles in there and roll it up as tight as you possibly can because then when you put it in the stuff sack, it doesn't expand to the full size of the stuff sack. Uh, I think some of the argument is they say, well, when you fold it, it makes creases. I tell you, I, I've folded tents since I was a little kid, and I've never ever had a problem with one of the the folds. You know, one of the creases, um, create, you know, creating a crack or any of the other things that people claim. I really think that rolling it is the absolute best way to do it.
4: Yep, I would agree with that, and I think yeah. this idea that you're going to always fold it on the same fold is kind of silly. I yeah. do a um, a quickie fold. Rather than a fancy, perfect, it's got to be down the same crease in exactly the same way every time. It's kind of a rough flip, 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 fold it over, stuff it in, roll it up. And then I, I really like this new stuff sack system, which is um, a stuff sack with the side open on it instead of the end open. And it's really easy to stuff it in there. And it's even got a, um, uh, a built-in strap around the outside of it to compress it and make it smaller. And there's another strap that goes lengthwise, so it really squeezes down tight. It works really well. MSR.
3: Yeah, we've, got, we've got a our sleeping bags. great. They're good. They're really good.
4: hmm Well,
0: the next topic or question is physical fitness. Is it is it important to be physically fit or do some sort of, you know, physical training before you head out on a big trip? Do you guys do that?
4: <laughs> Try. <laughs> what do you do? Just, I, I, don't just, just, I don't think it's critical. I think anybody that is able to get on a motorcycle and ride around for the day can go, whether they're fit or not. They don't have to be in good shape. Um, I know a guy who did a lot of traveling, and he could barely walk. If he didn't have his cane and really lean on it, he wasn't going anywhere, but he could still ride his bike. So I don't don't think it's a critical thing, but I think if you're physically fit, you're going to be able to ride longer uh, all day long, uh, feel better, be more alert, be more aware, and at the end of the day, be able to set up your tent if you want or not, um, and generally have a better time. And if your bike falls over, you're more likely to be able to fit it up. But at the same time, you can still go. You can still do it, even if you're really badly out of shape. And that's okay. The main thing is just, just go and do what you can. But, of course, try and be fit. Do what you can.
3: Yeah, yeah I, I think bike fitness is a big thing. And once you um, uh, say you, you ride – you haven't been riding for a while and you get on the bike, uh, you, know, you get neck sore if you've ridden a, a fair way. I think uh, it takes a, a bit of time to be bike fit like that. The position of your arms, the position of your legs, uh, using your legs a little more, um, wrestling the bike around. I, I think a, a degree of um, fitness is important. But having said that, you know, I know, and we all know, Ken and Carol. Ken's, Ken's had um, uh, hip replacements and still riding, and no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes he has a bit of trouble getting the bike off the center stand, and Carol has to help him push. But that's that's fine. I mean,
4: also in our ADGS. They're terrible to get off the center stand when loaded.
3: <laughs> yeah, well that's well that's true. Grant, that's very true. But um, you know, so and but but Ken's bike fit. He can ride mm-hmm. his bike as as long as anyone else. Um, but you know, you work within your limitations.
4: Yeah, I think so, that's the really important thing is is you do what you can. And if you need to adapt, you'll you'll adapt and you'll adjust your trip as needed to work within your body's limitations. But just get out there and do it anyway.
5: Graham, you go running every morning before you do a trip, don't you?
2: Sorry, I was mixing. Sorry,
0: I have my microphone off. I was mixing a drink. Uh, Yes. Wow, I am impressed with your technical expertise. That's incredible. So you've managed to find a mute button and use that for. That's impressive.
2: Yeah, Grant. Grant told me all about it. So yeah, so now you don't hear my ice cubes chink or my cork pops <laughs> <laughs> because I was beginning to get reputation. So uh, I, I, I thought you were going uh,
0: dry all this time. I, I noticed there's no clinks, there's no drinks, and I thought, well, he must be going nearly, dry.
2: It's nearly. 8, 8 Again, perfect time for a bloody Mary. Of course it is. So, um, I was. What were we talking about? Um, physical, getting, <laughs> fit, physical yes. fitness and memory. Oh, you know what? Um, Since I broke my back last year, I do have a little exercise routine, which I do every morning. And just a stretching thing. In fact, one of the things I want to try and do when I go to India next week is to try and find a yoga class, because I'm getting more and more into this stuff. Because it's like anything, once you start doing it, once you start seeing results and feeling results, it encourages you to keep going. And
3: Gra- my- Graham field and Downward with dog. I, I just don't know. I want to see that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, this, this is nice when you, when, when, like when you sit down in a chair, and you don't go, Oh, <laughs> <Because> <laughs> you're actually, I, mean, I still have some reoccurrences from the, from the back operation, but in general, I would say I'm probably healthier, fitter, certainly more flexible than I was before. And, uh, so I remember seeing ages ago when I was first uh, doing the first trip on the Horizons Unlimited site, something about fitness on the road, and there was a really, really long thread and someone just had written in big letters, yoga, and there's a lot to be said for that. If if you've got that flexibility and you've stretched those muscles regularly, those aches and pains of a long riding day or trying to get on a center stand or using those unexpected muscles um, isn't such a big deal. So, uh, yeah, I'm an advocate of, of just some – you don't have to spend a whole hour on a yoga mat and candles lit and lovely music and do the um position, but just a few exercises, 10 minutes every day. You don't have to make a difference. Yeah.
4: At several of our meetings around the world, we have um, yoga classes. Tori Lang started it in the UK and those classes are always very well attended, usually early in the morning. And there's 30 or 40 people out there with their camping mattress or whatever, and they're doing yoga exercises. And I constantly get comments about, wow, that's really good. And people later say, yeah, that was a big help. And I do it now all the time when I'm traveling. It's great. Absolutely. Yeah.
5: No, I think it works really well. I, when I set off on my first big motorcycle trip, I had no experience riding a motorcycle and I decided that if I got as fit as I possibly could, then it might compensate to a certain extent for my ignorance. And I think it probably did because I did a lot of dumb things. You know, those those last minute wobbles on a bike and you managed to pull it back up again. Well, if I hadn't been fit enough, then I would never have been able to do it. I mean, now, of course, if I've got a, a major wobble going on, then like everybody else, I just let the bike fall over because that makes far more sense than damaging me. <laughs> <It's> um, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there are some people that advocate that you should just set off exactly as you are and just go steady. Now, there's an adventurer called Dave Cornthwaite. I don't know whether you guys have come across him a lot but he says just go steady for the first weeks until your body has built up the required muscle set for the particular demands you're making of it and he never gets fit before setting off on a challenge and this is the guy who's done such things as skateboard from one side of Australia to the other and he made me laugh when he was telling me about that he said um, because he felt more comfortable using one foot rather than the other as the push-off foot he ends up with huge huge biceps on that one particular foot uh, leg. Um, biceps, <laughs> wrong word, <laughs> you know what I mean? Calf muscles. Um, and um, I mean, he also did things like canoe the length of the Murray River and he paddleboarded the Mississippi and so on. And he he always goes into, into those things without getting physically fit first, but he does take it just very, very gently for the first week so that he builds up. I mean, I personally like to have a level of, of fitness because... I think, as Grant said, you think that much better when you're physically fitter. Um, It it just seems to work hand in hand, doesn't it?
4: Absolutely. You want to be less tired. and That's why you want to have the bike set up so that it fits you properly and is ergonomically comfortable. And uh, fitness does help, sure. You know, it makes yeah.
0: sense that you can get fit while, while you get into whatever activity. You start out slow, don't push yourself, don't don't hurt yourself while you're doing it. But what Graham was saying about the flexibility, that's something you're not going to get just by getting on the bike. You may get a little bit of flexibility out of it, but you're not going to get the, the kind of flexibility you really need. So it almost sounds like flexibility or yoga or whatever you want to call it, that sort of stretching is is probably more important than the physical fitness before you leave.
4: Yeah, you'll you'll build the physical fitness for sure, as Sam was saying. Um, I remember the the first really long trip I took um, was from Vancouver to um, somewhere in Tennessee, Loretta Lynn's Ranch for the BMW rally. I had three days to do it. And the first day just about killed me. The second day was worse. And the third day was fine. It was just getting used to 18 hours a day on the bike. And that's how it works all the time. I find when I first started at the beginning of the year, I have all kinds of aches and pains. By the end of the season, no problem. I'm good to go for a long ways. So you, yeah. you do build up for sure. But flexibility? No, I think of anything riding makes you less flexible so it's even more important to do some flexibility well, stuff
3: well it depends on the riding you're doing too grant I, I, oh if off-road is totally different yes well yeah i, I went for a ride with some mates on, on the chook chaser um the other day and you know there's a lot of standing up a lot of um climbing over um up um, small mountains and stuff like that and sure. by gee you feel it in this in the thighs um everywhere standing up <laughs> on those little pegs and um, I found muscles I'd forgotten I'd had there for a while, but <laughs> yep. that's a different sort of riding to yeah. touring um, and uh, just uh, chugging along too. That's still
0: not going to help with flexibility though. That, that's actually where you strain yourself because you don't have the flexibility. Mm. You you get yourself into a position where you're you're holding something up or straining to do something and you end up hurting yourself.
4: Yep. You pull that muscle that should have been more flexible yeah. and more stretched yep. and it wouldn't have been no issue, but all of a sudden you yank it just a little too hard because it's not flexible. and You're
5: down. Yeah. I think you guys are right. It's well worth um, just limbering up for a few minutes every morning. Um, I, I do that every morning too when I'm on the road, 10 minutes, just stretching inside my tent. I have to work very hard not to do any sound effects to go with it because that can be embarrassing <laughs> later in the day. But, um. yeah. <laughs> well, I'll give an important tip on that
4: is um, stretching before exercising is actually considered to be by a lot of people, not not everybody, and there will always be somebody who will say the opposite. Um, stretching before exercising is not necessarily a good thing. It's better to actually warm up very, very slowly. As you work into your exercise and do it gently and gradually and build up, and that's as good or better than stretching because stretching cold muscles is when you're going to hurt yourself. So if you want to stretch in the morning early before you go in your tent when you're still warm in your sleeping bag is a good time to start. But do it very, very gently and just go to the point where, yeah, okay, I can feel it. Not, oh, I'm going to make it go farther. I can make it go farther. No, don't do that. That's going to hurt you. That's really bad. Yeah, too right too right so just gentle very gentle just a little bit extra just a little bit of a pull i do that every morning before i get out of bed or else i don't get out of bed
0: <laughs> graham i'm sort of curious about your exercises that you're doing i sort of picture it that you're moving your drink another six inches away
2: sort of <laughs> <laughs> no they well they are yoga positions really and um like high cat and low cat and, uh, and stretching the Achilles, uh, because on the, from when I had the sciatica, that, um, that all sort of cramped up and I walk different, touching my toes. I'm about seven, eight centimetres away from being able to touch my toes. It's my ambition by the end of the year to be able to touch them. And, uh, what the other ones I do? Uh, some sort of just just general stretching. is great because you can fit sometimes, not always. If I'm distracted, it's one thing I do early morning. If I've got something on my mind, it's get this over with and get on with my day. But like this morning, for example, because there was nothing important to do apart from this show, I um I was really into it, really feeling the muscle stretch, really pushing it, and it's a lovely feeling. It's uh it's a good thing to do when you when you can really focus on it. I'd love to have more training. I'd love to have a little. Like half-hour yoga um, ritual that I did every morning, I could really—I think I'd really enjoy it. That's something I want to try and look into a bit more.
0: Is it not being able to touch your your toes? Is that because of your back, or, or is it because your legs are too
2: long? Uh it's it's just because um, I don't know. My my toenails really need cutting as well. I can't get down there. <laughs> Bend your knee. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, no, I got to do it the hard way. Can you touch your toes, Jim? Standing up straight without bending your knees? Well, I think
0: so. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to have to check it afterwards. But I, I used to be able to. And
5: okay, I'm, I'm trying it just... right now. I'm an inch away. Ooh, oh, fly me! No, that's it. Touch them. That's mm. it. Yep, yeah, I, I can, can do it.
4: <laughs> I had to check that out. I can still do it.
5: Just barely, though.
3: Uh, I can put my hands flat on the ground. When you're sitting there. You oh, mean.
4: right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're sitting down. Right?
3: Yes, okay.
0: Yeah, you're sitting on the ground. And put your hands beside you. I can do that too.
2: I can drag his, can drag his knuckles when he's walking along as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Our next topic is, it even has a title, Skip to the Lou. Um, this is a, a fellow named James Gale who who wrote in and asked. And this is this is his message he sends to us. There's one thing that makes me hesitant about traveling through Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. It's not the wild dogs, dodgy food, or terrorists. It's poo. The The idea of using a non-Western toilet makes me pucker, he says. He says, how do you handle it? He asks, how do you handle it? Do you bring your own loo paper uh, and pretend you're safe in your own bathroom? Or do you learn lavatorial etiquette for each country that you travel through? So do you, do you adjust the way you're dealing with... Your poo.
5: Graham? And My first Just. thought was, James, don't let it worry you. Your concerns only need to concern you once a day. Well, it may not be. Well, it, could it, be more. Seek.
4: it could be many more. <laughs>
2: <You> know, <laughs> Especially
5: this, in the parts of the world that he's talking about. Yes.
2: Yeah. The, the squat toilets, I mean, I don't think it's so much the position of it. I mean, they can. I think that there's something about the way they make squat toilets, which which they have this inbuilt smell. Mm. It must be so much harder to stop a squat toilet smelling than it is a Western toilet. I, I think the actual squat toilet position ain't so bad. I think it's probably more natural. And uh, because before toilets were invented, we squatted, didn't we? We didn't sit. So, and it's. Describe not, the it's,
0: squat toilet.
2: Okay, well it's just it is a hole in the ground. It looks like there's a hole in the ground or in the it's a it's a flat surface. You've got a, a sort of corrugated area each side of the hole, which is where you put your feet, and and then you just squat over that hole. Uh, so the squatting position is probably a more effective way. You know, I think when when we first started as animals to, or we don't first start, we've always had to do a number two, but it wasn't something that was a, an entertainment thing. You didn't take a book with you or uh, your phone or a tablet. You went in, you did what you had to do, and you got out.
4: But that's progress. And that's what you
2: do in a squat toilet. You don't turn it into a, a part of your day, which is, uh, <laughs> which is prolonged to get on with business or anything else. So... I don't think squat toilets are so bad. Um, you have less body contact. You haven't. You're not sitting your ass on and making with making contact with anything unless you slip. So it's probably more hygienic. You <laughs> want to think about slipping. <laughs> 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 it
3: happens. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> the,
2: the time with squat toilet is not so nice is when you have a tummy issue and you have got to stay there for a while and you do again it goes better than you then you get your stretching exercises in because exactly. you really feel it on your calves although it's not the best place to do yoga yeah. um i don't think of all the worries when i travel squat toilets are a huge problem when i when i still lived in england and i was a truck driver and i used to deliver fruit and veg and a lot of the people who worked in the fruit packing factories came from Asia, cheap labor. And there were instructions on the doors of the toilets with a little person standing on a toilet seat and a cross through it. Do not, these are Western sit down toilets, do not stand on it. <laughs> so uh, it's, um, I, they're not so bad. They're not a pleasure, but they're, they're not as bad as they could be you know practice one day go dig a hole in the garden and have a little squat see how you get on
6: yeah it's no big <laughs>
4: deal i think the hard part for me was always my knees i've got really bad knees i have had for a long 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 time and the squat position was really hard on my knees but you can get in and out of there in two minutes so even i even with my knees i can do that um just go in get your business done Do take your toilet paper with you because don't expect there will be any there. But there will usually be a bucket beside the squat toilet where the toilet paper goes. That's okay. It doesn't go down the hole. Um, And we just have, right, time for the purple stuff sack. And the purple stuff sack is the toilet paper roll and the little bottle of hand sanitizer. And it does the job. It's fine. It works. And squat toilets are actually, for your body, they're actually better than Western toilets. Western toilets are actually unhealthy. It's actually squat toilets are much better. There's a straighter, that's how to put this delicately, there's a straighter path for the um, product <laughs> to come out. <laughs> well, well, I, I blame the what Romans. Graham said about
0: having the sign on the door where they were telling them, you know, that these toilets are meant to sit down on, it probably disgusts them, the thought of sitting in the same oh, toilet as everybody else.
4: Oh, absolutely.
3: I yeah, yep, really. think
4: it's terrible. And I agree with them, it is.
3: Oh, look, uh, in my previous life, uh, I actually, um, there was a, a person who uh, did stand on one of the uh, so-called sit toilets and it broke. And yeah. uh, that uh, created a, a lot of gashes and wounds that uh, oh, you really didn't want to know about. But in eastern countries, the other thing you've got to be careful of, even if they've got sit-down toilets... The pipes, the plumbing pipes are very, very narrow, and that's why you don't put paper down those toilets. Mm-hmm. And uh, many are westernised, use a lot of stuff, <laughs> uh, and uh, it clogs up toilets. And uh, it can be very embarrassing when uh, everything sort of uh, clogs up. It's not you, sure I'm thinking off, oh,
1: There are stories <laughs> I could tell. But, <laughs> <laughs> but,
3: but that, that's, that's a fact. But they yeah. are very, very um, thin, uh, narrow pipes, I should say. And that's the reason. So be careful.
1: And when you get home from a trip like that, you sort of get, have to get, well, you don't have to get back into the habit, but it's usually a gleeful thing the first time you hit a toilet that you can actually flush the loo paper rather than putting it in the in the bin, Bucket. which invariably yeah. is overflowing. Um, I've got to say uh, squat toilets are fine if they're clean, like any toilet is fine if it's clean.
6: But mm-hmm. going
1: through Siberia, honestly, <laughs> I have... Brian used to say I was a bit of a princess when it came to toilets, but he actually went into some and said to me, do not go in there. <laughs> so...
3: Yeah, you go on the side of the road.
1: So I go on the side of the road, yeah, and always travel with your own loo paper, always. Yeah. Even in Australia we do because, you know, sometimes it's a long way between toilet stops, so you have to go on the side of the road, but you dig a hole and bury the toilet paper. Or burn it. Or burn it quite a lot of not this time of the year, you wouldn't. So, James, don't be frightened. Yeah. But just we'll be prepared because sometimes it's pretty ordinary.
0: <laughs> well, I like Ram's advice of, of trying to go, go and give it a go. You know, like he said, in his garden, but he doesn't have to do it in his garden. You know, go camping or something like that. Give it a go and see, see what it's like.
2: Or your neighbor's garden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You have it in a, the middle of the night, please. to even up?
4: That's the time.
3: <laughs> uh, I, I've got an army mate who, who says, he used to go out a fair bit, um, SAS stuff, and they use a piece of rope. Now, right. what, what you do with a piece of rope is you tie it around a tree or a branch or something like that, put the other hand around, uh, the other piece around your uh, non-dominant uh, hand and lean back.
2: A good idea. Mm-hmm. I've done that when I've been out camping in the wild and just leave, hang on to a branch or something of a tree. Definitely, it's just yeah. double check that it ain't going to snap. You don't want to fall backwards. <laughs> <laughs> if you're
0: camping for very long, you can put a branch across. You know, you can take a, a branch, small branch, and tie it up across the trees if you're sort of setting up an area. Very um, rudimentary style of toilet.
5: Yeah, there are some parts of the world where um, the outside toilets, the long drops and all of this sort of stuff have just the most fabulous views ever. And even in a country like New Zealand, I remember using long drop toilets there, and the door was only three feet high. So when you were squatting over the, the hole in the ground, you were looking out over this just awesome scenery. And there's something just very cool about doing that. But, I mean, going back to toilet paper... There are many cultures that believe that smearing your feces across your backside with a bit of paper is an incredibly disgusting thing to do and that we are incredibly gross as Westerners. Um, even more so, when we are traveling, and too many people use toilet paper and then just leave it to flutter around the countryside of the people whose country they're traveling through. And I just think that's that's really grim, but as far as finding toilet paper is concerned, I, I just think that you know wherever Westerners travel, you'll find toilet paper of some sorts available, particularly in the tourist areas, so you know you just tend to stock up there if you want um, nicer quality toilet paper. But um, I mean, having said that, I don't know about you guys, but you always find toilet paper on sale somewhere on the main roads in the world.
6: Um, I'm saying
5: main because, of course, once you get off the beaten track, then the selection is, um, wait for it, pretty crappy.
2: If, if, if you are thinking of taking some before you go, uh, three different avi- uh, varieties available on my website. In so a green of grass, different natures in really Eureka.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You read and wipe. See, you said that you can't, you're not there know to read. read. I mean, it's the perfect combination. Just don't oh,
5: use the photograph light pages.
0: Oh, good point. Good <laughs> tip good
5: tip, Sam. Well, Do you know, actually using who, your left hand of and water... Makes leaves you feeling a lot cleaner than paper does. I know that sounds gross and the first few times you do it you just think wow this is just such not a cool thing to be doing but it really does leave you feeling far cleaner than paper does.
2: It so, does make you fresher Sam. You're absolutely right. It, the problem is and because it's quite taboo in uh, eastern countries to give and take with your left hand because that is the hand you do mm-hmm. use for wiping your bum and the problem is I'm left handed.
5: Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So surely so am I, Graham. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. six. That's just means fights. you. Just yeah. means you guys have been more accurate.
1: Oh, uh, wow! Well. <laughs> no, it means you have a hell of a lot of trouble when you're n- utilizing your lo- left hand for other things. You get some very strange looks.
0: Sam, when you're talking about washing, wh- what are you doing for for your water and yourself? Describe that.
5: Well, in many countries, particularly across Asia, for example, um, the the toilets and then inevitably all squat toilets. There's a tap on the wall, and there's um, a water uh, a water bottle, just you know, just like a drinks bottle, and um, you fill that from the tap, and you use that to squirt, um, and you use your left hand um, to to wipe. Um, it's in. Incredibly efficient. Some places it's just you know the the bottom, you know it's just like a big mug that. Um, so that's that takes a little bit better shot. Um, But uh, it it does work. I mean, you know, many times in places, um, the toilet in an outback area is a long drop. And the toilet paper provided, if there is any, is ripped up newspaper on a nail on the wall. I tell you what, there are plenty of times I've walked away from doing that and thinking to myself, I wonder if I've got a black backside now from the newspaper print.
0: (laughs) Well, with everything going online now, that's going to get tougher and tougher. They're going to have an iPad nailed on there. (laughs)
5: <laughs> no, that's as bad as the photograph pages in, in Graham's books
3: well, That's very true, Sam I can remember the, um, the squares of the newspaper being used Yeah, that's true And th- look, the, the drop, long drop toilets in Australia Some of them are really, really clean And uh, when they come along and service them They put like a, I think it's sulphur over the top So there's no smell at all mm-hmm. They're actually very good.
5: And composting long drop toilets are incredibly smell free aren't they i I was blown yeah. away the first time I used one of those. Um, the Romans had public toilets by the way, and they used yes. water. So they had um, seated toilets, but they would just sit side by side, and they'd chat to each other and read the news or whatever. And then around their feet, or just between their feet and the the surface that they were sitting on, um, there would be a gully. And this would have flowing water through it, and you would just scoop down and um, use that. And that all makes great sense to me it's very sociable mm, yeah, and why not yeah, yeah. Oh, um, but scooping your hand into this running water repeatedly that everybody else is scooping <laughs> their hand down into that doesn't <laughs> quite if feel last one
0: in the row you end up getting everyone else's but but also there was running water underneath the seats too wasn't there to carry everything away
3: sam mm-hmm. so, what about the pig toilets oh yeah absolutely yeah.
5: Oh, i certainly have and that yeah. makes common sense. And then you start realizing why many of those countries don't eat pork. Yes, exactly.
0: Okay, you got to describe this.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it's your job, Ryan.
1: You start it. Uh, all
3: right, I'll start it. You finish it, Steve. In India and places like that, um, that nothing goes to waste. So uh, at the back of houses, and we stayed in a, at an old place down near Goa, and it had the remains of an old pig toilet. So you'd walk outside and you'd go into this, uh, uh, up onto this platform and you'd do your business and your business would fall down into the pigsty and the pigs would eat it. Eat it yeah. And um, so we actually went off pork there for a while, didn't we, Sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. just
1: thinking about the people who are listening to this podcast while they have breakfast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Reduce, reuse, recycle.
3: Bacon.
5: Wow. Um, much of the rice we eat in in the West has been grown in paddy fields that's been fertilised by human excrement. So, you know, right. we're we're never so far away from being in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It is early in the morning. I can't help
3: it. <laughs> no, that's true. My, my father was a farmer, and uh, there was a, there's a, a plant in uh, South Australia where they actually dry excrement and make it into a powder. And it's used as natural fertiliser on crops. And it's very, very good.
5: James, you've been listening to the answers to your questions, and I hope you've been thoroughly entertained by them, Um, and that we haven't put you off. But just in case we are putting you off, don't let us put you off, because actually, we're talking about the worst. I mean, they're common, but they're also the worst. There are some places that you go where the toilets are just phenomenal. Birgit and I have been into places and we feel like we've just stepped into the toilet that belongs to a palace because you've got flock wallpaper on the walls and um, gleaming marble all over the place and um, just a heated toilet seat. And, you know, you just walked into this place and you just think, but hang on a minute, I've been bush camping for the last two weeks and I've walked into this and it's just completely an alien feeling, but you find them. Um, So don't worry about it. Um, You'll be fine. It's all part of the experience. That's
3: very true, Sam. And I I can remember uh, actually taking a video of a toilet seat that when you press the button, the toilet then rotated, the toilet seat rotated and it was um, disinfected as it went around. So I had just had to take a video.
0: I I haven't seen one one of
3: those.
4: Yeah, they're very cool. And there's another one that has a, a plastic cover on the on the toilet seat. And when you flush, it automatically puts a fresh piece of plastic over the toilet seat. Oh,
3: We that's used to way do way that to the it. girls at school when you put the, the, the plastic, plastic underneath the seat.
0: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> something completely different, Brian.
3: caused
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, an awful lot of problems. <laughs> I think well, Brian was a troublemaker. Well, probably you he, think? he still is. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think Brian still is a troublemaker.
4: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
0: So, James, the takeaway, I think, I think the one takeaway is is what we talked about at the start. There was the fact that you're not sitting on a on a toilet seat that everybody else sits on. So, so in a way, I mean, it's something to look forward to. It's um, it's probably cleaner as long as you don't fall in. <laughs> but um, on to our next one, leaving all this crap behind. Um,
1: oh, this this one is someone had to say. It.
0: Do you guys know what a dad joke is? yep no yeah just
6: told
1: one, i think
0: exactly that's it it's those pathetic <laughs> jokes that your dad would tell that he'd probably laugh away at to himself and you think oh man i can't believe he just said that in particular in front of your friends well i think that's some of the jokes <laughs> that we're doing
5: <laughs> i have to say that i and i admit to this i have been posting a few of those on my facebook page um and i am getting, getting... Su- suitably wry comments in return <laughs>
0: Well, this uh, this the other one is a little bit more technical. It's it's how do you handle your money or money sources while traveling? This is a good one because this changes all the time. You know, carrying cash, transferring money, using debit cards, using credit cards, you use prepaid cards, and, and I mean, this could probably get really, really deep. So maybe we don't want to go too deep with uh, with this. And also, do you spend all your money in one country before you leave it, and, and then get like new currency in the next country, or, or how do you handle that? So how do you you guys handle your money now? Are there any changes with technology now? I mean, let's start Graham. You're just about to go to India. You must be dealing with this right now.
2: Should be, shouldn't I? I was really hoping you'd come to me last and everybody else had covered everything. Um, uh, I'm taking U.S. dollars to India. Uh, When was I last there? Five years. The U.S. dollar works great. You can, a large denomination note, you can... Change easily, get a good exchange rate. Yeah, I, If I say the black market, it, it conjures up images of, like, back alleys and shrouded people and stuff. But everybody will happily change a U.S. dollar outside of going to a bank with a loads of bureaucracy and paperwork. So, um, and U.S. dollars worldwide work great. I mean, it's good to have some smaller denomination ones for tips and little things like that. Uh, credit cards, of course, work, ATMs, pretty much all, most, most countries in the world now, maybe not Iran and that, but most countries in the world, you can use your ATM. On a bike, I generally have it stashed in three or four different places. Uh, it's quite funny, actually, because over Christmas and New Year, I've been resurrecting the original KLR and it's just about done. And... I have yet again re-drilled the original panniers to fit them on yet another pannier rack. And I'm looking at bits of duct tape and stuff. Oh, my God, that was where I had some some money stashed back in the day. (laughs) Uh, So uh, it's so much easier. I mean, you you read Jupiter's travels, you know, traveling in the 70s, the days of travelers checks and limited ATMs was so much more difficult. And it's so much easier. Another thing, and a thing that I use weekly now, there are ways of transferring money from different bank accounts in different countries. So much cheaper than using your bank. I use a company called TransferWise uh, because my income is in the UK from the book I sell every month. And then I have to transfer that money to Bulgaria. And uh, rather than getting a bank to do it, there's a company called TransferWise, one of many uh, this was is actually Estonian company, and it was uh, my, uh, it was a concept of some Estonians who were working in the UK, sending their money back home, and resented all the charges. So you get the actual exchange rate on the day. You get a very minimal fee for doing the transaction, and it takes about seven hours from transferring it in my UK account to appearing in my Bulgarian account. The only risk being is that it's not backed up. So if you were to do a large amount of money and something happened, it will be total loss, which, of course, you don't get if you were transferring between a, a legitimate bank transfer. So let's say you're based in France and let's say you're staying at somebody's house in, in Bangkok and those people have a, a, a bank account. Well, you can simply use somewhere like TransferWise to transfer your money from your French account to their uh, Thai account and it will arrive the same day and they will be able to go to their bank and get the money out. It's a wonderful, cost-effective way of instantly transferring money without incurring all the fees. So that's my uh, $1 dollars with, on that subject.
0: What do you mean <laughs> it's not backed up and you can lose the money?
2: Well, it's a, it's a what this company does, I think, is they hold various currencies in their virtual bank account so i'm transferring british pounds to bulgarian lev and it's all it's doing is the pounds are going i think into their bank account their bulgarian lev is being transferred into my bulgarian bank account that's why you get the actual on the day exchange rate however let's just say that that if you transferred from one bank to another, it costs you 30 pounds. It will take five days. You'd incur charges from the US bank and the Bulgarian bank. Everybody takes their cut. Nobody takes their cut. This, but there's, it could, it's not guaranteed. It could go missing in the middle somewhere. So, you know, if you're buying a house, probably best not to use that method. But if you're just transferring a, a, a living weekly wage, it's it's quite a good way of doing it.
0: Well, this company you're talking about Transferwise, the www.transferwise.com. Um, if you send a I'm just looking at it now, you send a 1000 US dollars works out to 1623 in and, and change I think in Bulgarian dollars, but the fee is only $9.90. And so
2: Right.
4: That's, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, that's um,
2: S- Send me that money now, Jim. I'll tell you how long it takes to get here and exactly oh, oh, right. Okay, <laughs> no, I'll do that.
1: <laughs> 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 Ding! Oh, I've got it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyone else? Money—is it changing the way you're dealing with
1: it?
6: Well, it's certainly, well, going a lot gonna,
1: easier. Yeah, it's certainly easier now than the days of um, trying to deal with travelers' checks and all that sort of thing. But this is—we're going to have to start looking at it as we're hoping to get to Europe this year. So, but we use ATMs. I, I so don't want to tell my Indian ATM story again. If anyone hasn't heard it in the last three times I've told it. Um, best they go and buy two for the road and read it.
3: (laughs) But the 28 degrees card, sure, you use that, don't you?
1: Yeah, and that doesn't incur um, transaction fees. But you're never going to, unless you do what Graham's doing, you're not going to get the exact exchange rate. But we found in Central Asia, um, transferring using US dollars and getting them transferred into the local currency through the black market, We were getting better than bank interest, bank exchange rates in some occasions, but certainly at least the daily going rate.
0: So you're drawing out cash?
1: Yeah, we were taking – we always travel, like Graham, we always travel with US dollars and we give them to the guy at the hotel or to the money changer at the – at the uh, border, and um, nine times out of ten, you've got the exact rate, if not even a little bit higher.
0: Well, you mentioned using debit cards there or bank cards, and then you said traveling with U.S. dollars. Are you saying that you're leaving with both. all of your money in U.S. dollars to begin with?
1: No, 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 no. We no, use, no. we do both. We have um, we have a credit card, we have a, a debit card, uh, and we always take um, U.S. dollars cash. And uh, we needed to replenish it in Uzbekistan, and half the ATMs in that country will deliver you either local currency or US, depending on what what you um, indicate to the machine. Oh, so isn't... we always made sure we had some some US currency. But cards are the best, and you know, like Graham, we stash money in different places as long as you remember where you've stashed it.
3: <laughs> um, and have have more than one card too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. critical. Two, two different sources, just in case.
4: Yeah. Are there, there are not just two different Visa cards. So You want a Visa and a MasterCard. And even an mm. American Express card is not a bad idea, too, because they're agree. a little bit more solid. Um, I actually had a problem with my Visa card recently, and I wasn't even aware of it because Susan is the one that usually buys stuff. My Visa card was blocked about eight months ago, and apparently they said they called and told us – But they phoned our home number to tell us that this card has been blocked because it was used (laughs) at a casino in um, Maryland, which is where we were running an event, and they blocked it. But I never knew it was blocked. and I couldn't figure out why. I tried to use my Visa card and it wouldn't work. What's going on here? So I just throw my MasterCard out and that was fine. Or the American Express card and that was fine. And I, I got home and I went to use it again and it was blocked. It was declined again, twice in a row on online purchases. So I started phoning and what's going on? what well, has been blocked for eight months. Oh, oh, I didn't know that.
0: What were you doing in the casino?
4: Well, we were yeah. using a casino um, or the resort was a casino resort for this event that we were basing out of for the oh, hotel. Oh, I see. We were just using the hotel, not casino. But that but also brings up another thing, too, that's really, really important. Uh, once upon a time, we would tell people, don't tell the credit card company that you're going traveling because otherwise they'll they'll block your credit card or they'll just stop it and not let you use it because nothing was connected in those days now it's all connected so you must tell your credit card company that you're going to India because if they suddenly see transactions mean, yeah. in India they'll they'll stop it that's it and you're done so you must tell the credit card company where you're going
0: even across the country. I've had them flag my card just going across the country because they see you in one spot for a while and then all of a sudden you start traveling rapidly across the country and the next thing you know, your card's shut off.
4: Yep. Well, that's effectively what happened with me with the casino. I'm halfway across the continent and I'm in a casino. Wait a minute, this can't be right. Yeah. So yeah, you got to tell them you're going. With our credit card company, they should in theory know that we are all over the place constantly. We could be anywhere at any time. So there shouldn't be an issue, but you still have to tell them.
0: Are there any cards that you guys find don't work? Are there any sort of combinations that you find don't work? I know you're saying having more than one credit card. And what if you don't have credit cards? And what about prepaid or debits?
4: There's two different kinds of Visa cards. There's two networks. There's the Cirrus network and I can never remember the name of the other one. Anyway, there's two networks. And in North America, Europe, and places like that, there's no issue because they're all completely interchangeable. But in many parts of the world, only one of those networks is connected to that bank. So if your card is the wrong network, it won't work. How do you know? So you got to be careful of that. Um, wild ass yes, you don't know. That's why you want to make sure you've got both.
5: Hmm.
4: So have a Visa card and a MasterCard, two completely different networks.
5: It's, it's well worth having um, the different types because you can go in some countries and you almost <laughs> never see somewhere that will deal with um, a Visa card. Um, and most places will deal with a MasterCard. You have to go into the really big hotels, for example, in those places, if you want to be able to use your Visa card and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, amex is um a pretty good card to have if you can get hold of one i've mentioned this before um because they'll they'll act as a postal drop and um for you as well but also if you get money stolen and all there's all sorts of insurances that are on your side too um but i definitely have three cards at least and some friends have just been traveling up through south america and um they got scammed and um all of their cards were stopped Because, you know, there were cameras and there were people watching them, punching in past, you know, their pin numbers and all of this sort of stuff. And all of a sudden, they've got no money and no access to it. And by the time they would got all of this sorted out, the money that they were carrying, which they'd let get pretty low for various reasons, um, they were out of money. They had no way to pay for food, no way to pay for their hotel and all this sort of stuff. So I'm a great advocate of carrying plenty of US dollars. I never carry $100 bills. Yes. Um, There have been too many dodgy ones of those around. Um, but fifties, twenties, tens, and as Graham said, also carrying some small um, for you know sort of um, tips when somebody particularly helps you. But also you know those last couple of days before you leave a country and you just don't want to use a large denomination note. Uh, being able to change a you know three or four one dollar bills so that's probably enough in many places for for two, the last two or three days. Um, You know, as far as transferring money is concerned, I don't know how many listeners have come across um, VPNs, but it's well worth looking that out and use that for online currency exchanges, because you're pretty much anonymous. Using a VPN allows you to be way less easy to hack. Um, So, you know, when you're corresponding online with your bank, if you're doing it via a, a VPN, then you're much safer. Um, and another tip is have someone else at home who has access to your account so that they can do the transfer for you using, you know, your home internet setup where the security is all very nice and tanky dory and so on. Because you can just email them and say, look, send me 50, send me a couple of hundred. And when you are traveling, if you possibly can, have a really good internet security on the device that you're using um, for correspondence. And one of the things that's really important is having drop dead gorgeous passwords um don't go with the usual you know one capital letter and one numeric and and so Ooh, on useless. just just have several numerics and numbers in there and several capitals and i know it makes it harder um to remember those things but and i'm kicking myself because i don't remember but there is um a website where you can register all of your passwords and there's one password for that website and you can go there um, and you can just see at an instant, the password. So you don't have to remember the more complicated ones. But um, that just means that getting hold of your money is that much safer. And as far as using, um, doing exchanges um, in exchange offices and things like that, just don't do it solo. Always go with somebody else and because you have to assume that the sharks are circling. Uh, with two of you, you're you're just way less vulnerable, particularly when you're in countries where, um, for your dollar, you're going to get a suitcase um, full of local currency because you, you walk in there looking innocent and you walk out of there looking well-loaded. I'll never forget walking out with almost a suitcase of money in Zimbabwe when the exchange rate had just gone completely potty there. Um, man, did I feel vulnerable walking back to my, my digs. No, there's, yep. there's lots of tips, aren't there?
0: As far as the passwords go, um, you can get a program for your phone. Like you can get different apps where you have all your passwords in one. One of the programs is called 1Password, which is an amazing program. Syncs with your computer. So you, you only ever have to remember one. And if you're going to have a complicated password, it's much easier to remember that one complicated password for your password program. And then it stores everything else in there. And th- that's, a, that's a good way to do it because I think a lot of people run into the problem of not remembering their passwords on things.
5: That's exactly yeah, I'm what I'm talking fan. about, Jim. Thanks.
4: Yep, there's also LastPass is another word, another program, and uh, RoboForm is a program I've been using for, I don't know, at least 10 years, if not 15 years, and it's got all my passwords for everything in it, and it's available online. I can access it on my phone, on a tablet, whatever, and it's very, very secure. It's very solid, very good, and it generates some amazing, horrible passwords that you couldn't begin to remember Um You can do 20, 30-character passwords. It doesn't matter. You don't have to remember it. It takes care of it for you. So you can be very, very secure.
0: That's the great thing about using an app like that is you can give really complicated passwords you would never remember.
4: I'm completely
2: uncracking that, too. So firstly, you have to go to that website, retrieve your password, and then go back to the website you were trying to access with your password. No, no. Yes, you do. So can no, you copy-paste no, the password? Hang on a second. Can you copy-paste the password? Yes, you or can. Do you have to actually physically write... Okay. No, you can copy-paste Because copy, a lot paste. of times you can't copy-paste... You can't paste a password into a put your password here box. We well, you'll, you you you'll that. find
0: that sometimes. Like the, this program, One Password that I use and I've used for quite a while, it runs with your browser, like on your computer. But in particular, what we're talking about is for traveling. Uh, it's on your phone. So you have it on your phone and you can open it up and then you can just copy the password and paste it into wherever you're going. It just and it saves a lot of time. And and I haven't come across any spot where I haven't been able to paste that password in. Obviously you'd have to try it. But these are these are places that you're using all the time. So you try this in advance before you head out on your trip. Make sure you can access your bank account and everything else and make sure everything works seamlessly.
4: And worst it comes to worst on course. your phone, you can just that's he's using one last pass one pass? One password. One password. Uh, one password yeah. yeah. Like I say, I use RoboForm and and worst I've ever had to do is switch between apps and go Oh, yeah, that's a star exclamation three seven and then go back and type it in on the other one. I've only had to do that like, I think twice in the last several years. Mm -hmm. So it's not a big concern. Generally, it just does it. And on the computer, it's fantastic. Just one click and it fills in the password, fills in your username, submits the form and you're in. That's it, done. And I use that all the time every day just to log into my own website to run it. I have to re-log in to do admin stuff every hour or so. So I use it a lot all the time and it works great. I just wrote that it.
2: down, Grant. Was that star, explanation, 37? Is that what
4: you said? <laughs> That's the first four characters of the 36. I <laughs> uh-huh. uh,
1: love your work,
4: Those are the only right. ones I remember. Uh, the other one is to use a VPN as well. A VPN is very useful, like Sam was saying, the virtual private network. Um, the basic um, security recommendation is if you're doing anything, Where you are using a password that you care about in any way, shape, or form, use a VPN. If you're traveling, whether you're going down to your local Starbucks and using the Starbucks network, you should be using a VPN on your phone or your tablet or your laptop. If you're using a public Wi-Fi, always. That's just a basic automatic. You should be doing that because otherwise you are not secure your password can be sniffed by somebody sitting right next to you having a coffee. It's very, very easy for them to do if they want to. So always use a VPN. I was trying to avoid this. You're gonna have to describe what a VPN is. um, It's a virtual private network, and effectively you log in via an HTTPS address to the uh, VPN, and what's happening is, instead of going from your computer to the bank, you're going to the VPN through a private tunnel, which is, Inaccessible, it's completely encrypted and secure to the VPN server and thence to your bank, so it, it can't be hacked into. Just research VPN on the web, there's tons of information about them, there's millions of them out there. Um, there's lots of very, very good ones. It's not a difficult thing to set up, it's pretty straightforward.
2: I just had to do it to of... book my uh, tickets for the Indian Railways, which is a horrendous website, the Indian Railways website, <laughs> and yeah. uh. And finally, using a VPN and making out I was in India, even though yes. I'm using a the UK there. credit card from Bulgaria, uh, uh-huh. was the only way to book tickets. And honestly, you know, you book your flights in 10 minutes. You book in.com, you book your hotels in, in 15 minutes. Bloody four days to book the train through Indian railways. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but the VPN works.
4: <laughs> yes. That's another thing is a VPN allows you to choose which server that you are appearing to the final destination website to be in. So as um, Graham was saying, he can be using a VPN server that's in India. So as far as the Indian Railway is concerned, he's in India because you can't book a a ticket on the Indian Rail from outside the country. Okay, I'm want in India.
5: To the- How this works is that when you open up um, your VPN, you get a screen and the screen has a whole list of countries and you can tick the country that you want to look as if you're coming from. And a VPN is is such a fantastic thing to have for overlanders as a whole. Um, For example, there are some countries where um, it's a lot cheaper to book flights via that country than it is from your home country. For example, the UK is one of the most expensive countries in the world to book flight from goodness knows why. And it it frustrates the hell out of me. Um, But if I book a flight, for example, as if I'm coming from the USA, then I can do it. Sometimes a couple of hundred dollars cheaper, that makes that much more difference. And also there are some countries where there are significant bans on use of the internet, social media and things like that. Well, if you're using a VPN and making it look as if you're not actually in that country, um, then all of a sudden you've got access to um, all sorts of websites and social medias and things like that that you perhaps wouldn't have access to
4: yeah I've done the same thing with car rentals believe it or not booking a car rental from Canada is actually cheaper in Australia than if I'm in Australia and I want to book a car rental in Australia and if I'm booking it from Canada I get insurance is included booking it from Canada but if I'm in Australia the insurance is not included so it ends up costing me hundreds of dollars more per week which is just crazy but that's the way it works so that's where a VPN is wonderful
1: I'd just like to say I've learned a whole lot in the last 10 minutes. (laughs)
2: I'll I'll tell you what, (laughs) if if this conversation was a week ago, I'd be in your shoes, but I've learned all about VPNs this last week.
1: (laughs) Well, there you go. Well, um, I now know and I will be exploring a lot further. And I'd also like to thank you, Graham, because the power of suggestion, you mentioning a Bloody Mary. Brian put our microphone on mute and we've been having a very pleasant Bloody Mary.
2: Oh, I am just wondering how, much, how many more subjects... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering how many more subjects we've got because do I mix another one or not? How, how uh, I, how, yeah. how much longer... You go
0: ahead and mix another one. Absolutely, you'll never go to waste.
2: And okay, make as then. much noise as we you know can. We know that. We're <laughs>
3: having a drink with you, Graham.
2: <laughs> okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> well, we'll just sit and wait.
5: <laughs> I just, oh, well, yeah. just pour another. Well, I just pour another coffee from my thermos flask while, while Graham's doing that.
3: Same, same. You will be on the rev limiter, mate, with all that coffee you're putting in your system.
5: <laughs> it, I've got a perpetual grin this morning.
0: <laughs> well, we're into 2018. I mean, Graham, you're, are you still listening?
2: Yeah, I can
0: hear you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
5: So, well, let's have some sound effects, Graham. We want to hear those ice cubes clinking.
2: Okay, well, no ice cubes because both of us. Okay, put a little pepper in the top.
3: <laughs> oh, you oh, you got pepper.
2: Tabasco.
0: You've got to post a picture of your bar uh, on the raw page there for on Facebook so people can see. I imagine a massive, fully functional, fully stocked bar. Oh, no, that would be too
2: tempting. Generally, I don't drink in a week, but, um, you know, that- Doing a show, I think it always enhances the show a little bit, both listening and talking. So. you got the Tabasco, Graham? Yeah, done the Tabasco, just do the so I'm doing
3: it now.
2: now and uh, just off to
3: get the vodka. Um, yeah,
2: okay. And
1: while you're mixing your drink, Graham, I'd just like to share with you that my daughter-in-law gave me the perfect Christmas present. That's our pepper grind in the background. Um It's a collection of mixes for cocktails from around the world and all you have to do is add the spirit, either vodka or gin or rum, whatever. And I thought, now, isn't that the perfect gift for your mother-in-law? Something that is smashed every time you come and visit. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you've got a pool with shade protection. You've got unlimited homes in your house, or unlimited rooms in your house, and you've got an electric yep. pepper
1: grinder.
5: I, I, yeah. I'm glad I'm sitting down.
1: Yeah, we have an electric pepper grinder. And the problem with that is it's battery operated, it's not
2: mains power. So, okay, let me, my drink is ready, so I get to a virtual cheers. We say Nostrave over here. Nostrave. Okay.
0: Nostrovia. Cheers. Is it Nostrave? That sounds Russian very close isn't it
2: Uh, i think it's it's very similar language yeah
0: yeah i think they say say the
2: same thing when you sneeze actually so it's kind of good health it means good health so Uh, you say it when you sneeze or whether you're drinking
0: so we're into 2018 and and i thought this might be a a good time by the way it's it's um we sort of said this last time we talked about this last time we we did 24 episodes we've been doing this for two years we're starting our third year now so that's that's pretty amazing doing this show um and it's 2018, January, it's it's kicking off a new year. And I know we heard Graham is is heading off to India soon, but sort of curious what everybody's doing. What What's on the, you know, what, what's on the horizon for 2018 for you guys as far as adventure goes? And don't tell me about the cat, what the cat's going to do for
1: 2018.
5: <laughs> but, uh, the cat will be at home. The cat doesn't do too much I said, adventuring. I said, don't, don't tell me what the cat's gonna <laughs> We're so going to do. So have taught uh, the cat yet to, to swim yet, Shirley?
1: No, 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 no. The cat doesn't like the pool. It's pretty good, actually. Um, we're going camping for a few days in our four-wheel drive with our camper trailer, which is not a motorcycle thing, but it's going to be by a lake and probably about 40 degrees every day. So, a
3: bit yeah, of water skiing.
1: Water skiing, well.
3: And
2: then uh, – yeah, tell us about your European trip because I want to know yeah. if we're going to be able to meet up.
1: Oh, we'll definitely okay. meet up.
3: Okay. Well, uh, Unless we'll- you
1: leave home to avoid us. <laughs> <laughs>
3: We'll be heading to the Isle of Man Classic races, which is in July. I think the last week in July, first week in August. Right. So we're just planning at what stage we actually get to Europe. And Are you shipping um, your bikes to, to Europe, Europe and starting there then? Well, leave in I've got a friend who might be able to get my bike over there, um, uh, but it might take some time to get it back. So I'm just tossing up whether I do that. Uh, I really want to take um, Big Red. It's, that's a travel bike and she's been everywhere and I'd love to do it again with her.
1: But it's only a short trip. We're not going to be riding home. We'll just be in Europe for oh, oh, so a it's like ship time it there, you... ride
2: it round, ship it back.
1: Yes. It's, uh, and the duration of this journey is um, Three months, four months for negotiation.
3: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> We're still, I'm still in negotiation with uh, she who should be a babe.
1: He's just poured me another Bloody Mary. I think he'll. Asking more
3: questions about this later this evening. So that's our big adventure. Um, And um, there's a thing called the Great Australian Ride which goes across Australia. And I'm thinking of uh, going and helping um, Stuart Ball who runs that. And it raises money for charity um, for what's known as um, the Red Nose Appeal in in Australia, which is um, looking at um, Sid's deaths of young babies. So, um, uh, Stuart takes uh, up to 20, I think, people across from I the did. easternmost point in Australia to the westernmost point in Australia across the dirt. Stop picking your glasses there, Graham. Sorry, what was that? Oh, I'm going to microphone. Sorry. That was... <laughs> <laughs> so, I might be doing that too. So, that will be our adventures for the year, I think.
5: That'd wow. be fantastic, Stuart. is such a cool guy, isn't he? I he really is, like him. Mm. Yeah, he
1: really is. It fantastic. sounds like
3: quite a ride, too. Oh yeah, it's it's quite difficult across the Simpson Desert and um, across but, all the dirt roads in Western Australia the the Barrel, too, and the Northern Territory, and the Ghan Barrel Highway. They do all those those really tough roads.
5: I've seen some of the footage. Um, I, I hope you're going to be limbering up before you get out of that. <laughs> i have
3: to get bike fit, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, <That's> too right. <laughs> More than
4: bike fit, I think, too. Just generally fit is going to be really important for that one. Yeah, but fantastic. Oh, yeah. Dude, I love the Outback. It's one of my favorite places ever. Grant, how about you? Well, there is a possibility there will be something very interesting in March, but I can't tell you exactly what it is quite yet. But next episode, we'll be able to tell you about that. Um, We will be in Indonesia, October 11 to 14, for the second Indonesia meeting. And other than that, we're not quite sure yet. We'll be at a few meetings. We'll be at the UK meeting, of course, June 14 to 17. That's an important one we just don't ever want to miss. Other than that, we've got 23, I think it is, meetings organized now, including a new one, a new mini-meeting in Sweden. We've got Ecuador coming up as a new one, Italy. Um, but I was thinking just, personal. Like, I mean, are you heading off on a personal trip soon? I mean, that's all work stuff. What's that? What's that? <laughs> I don't have personal trips. <laughs> I don't have time. You're not going to take a no, block we're, of we're, time we're and working. say, that's it. We're going to do this. Well, we're going to Indonesia, and we're going to go a week early. So we'll get a week right. in there, free time. So that'll be nice. And this other trip we're going to be doing, it looks like. If it all comes through, um, we'll have a week or so spare in there as well. So that's basically what we do is we don't get a chance to go, just go on a trip for a month. Like there's just no way it's possible for us to leave things that long. Um, I don't remember the last time I actually had a whole day where I didn't at least get on my phone and spend an hour with email. That's just, it's just not possible. It's just too much.
0: Do you Uh, you add time all the time? Like when you're going somewhere, are you always trying to pad it with a little bit of time before or after to do something on your own?
4: Well, we make a point of getting there a few days early because otherwise we're knackered for the event. And then we're just kind of getting, okay, we're all right. And then we're tired at the end of the event because the events are tiring. And then it's time to get back on a plane again. So we like to get there a few days early and just catch up a little bit, get de-jet lagged and feel better. Um, and if we can, we like to stay someplace nice. B&Bs out in the country when we're doing the UK meeting, for instance, is a really nice way to go. I know one place we're going to this year is... Lovely, completely isolated, middle of nowhere, beautiful garden, the whole thing. It's a really nice spot, so we'll spend a few days there just getting caught up. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, we, we work entirely too much. We're working really hard to reduce that and stop doing it, but right now we've just got so much to do. It's just crazy. How about you, Sam?
5: Yeah, Birgit and I are actually going to bunk off for uh, um, a while this year. Um, these, these last few years where I've been bouncing around doing so many shows and presentations we haven't had the chance to do it um, so we're going to scoot off um, for getting on for a month um, t- uh, to Portugal I think I've been itching to explore there uh, It's, it's. I think for, for me it's one of the virtually unsung countries of Europe as far as motorcycling is concerned and it is becoming more explored um, but magnificent roads I've seen the photographs along the coastline and through the mountains and um, I hear stories of little villages where we're probably going to feel like we've stepped back in time and that sort of thing. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, But um, I shall be bouncing back in in the States as well. And one of the things that I really like about the States and doing the stuff over there is all of the magic riding that I get to do in between. So um, a bit of that's going to be happening this year, too. Um, So, yeah, good stuff. I'm also going to be involved in a project but I can't talk about that yet Um, I don't want to look more of an idiot than I already do if if it doesn't come off so um, hinting but not saying So that's next episode, next month? Mm, There might be one or two more than that but we'll see Um, Next month's episode I should be um, recording with you guys from Maryland um, and we'll be in Washington DC at, at that time I think um, so, yeah, from i have watching the weather forecast for there now and I'm just thinking, man, that's going to be cold. Somebody said to me yesterday, um, buy pocket hand warmers and take them. And I'm just thinking, right, OK, I should be leaving from sunny but slightly chilly Devon and to, and to head to um, decidedly cold Washington. But that's all right, Never been before. So I'm looking forward to exploring Um <laughs> no, but can, can, I, can I do a work plug, Jim? Would that be all right? Because it is appropriate following sure, on from sure, that give comment. Sure, sure, a go. Okay. Uh, Birgit and I are heading over to the Timonium Motorcycle Show in Maryland, um, which is happening between the 9th and 11th of February. It's um, the East Coast of USA's largest indoor motorcycle show. Um, I'm going to be presenting on stage every day alongside Steph Jevons, and Simon and Lisa Thomas to name just three of the presenters in the Adventure Motorcycle area. And I wanted to make a point of talking about it because the guys who run this show have been working very hard to increase the adventure motorcycling size of the show. So, yeah, it's a really buzzing event. And it's going to be a lot of fun because this is actually going to be the first time that Birgit will have been to a show with me in the USA. And uh, she's, you know, she's really looking forward to it. So for those people who um, think that Birgit is a figment of my imagination well then come along to the show and you actually get to meet her and you get the opportunity of getting um, books signed by both of us and there aren't a lot of books that have been signed by both of us so they'll be keepers oh and ADV Moto Magazine will be there as well so other great supporters of, of what we all do so look out for them as well
0: Graham, do you have anything else you're doing this year other than India?
2: Oh god yeah, I've got a little bit unfortunately I've got such a big plan it makes me goose pimply even to think about it. Um, and I can't say it because superstition, don't want to jinx it, all of that. As you, some listeners may remember a little rant that I had on the last program. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I didn't particularly enjoy the motorcycle live show last year. And uh, But, you know, you have to turn these things around. And so I'm taking a different direction, a very different direction I'm going to ride a horse across Mongolia. No, um, but what I but what I am going to do is um, I, I can't say what I'm going to do. But I've got big plans. I've got a few people who are helping me, advising me. Very keen. Think it's brilliant. So there's that, but I can't talk about that, so we'll just stop that subject there. What else am I doing? I have spent, I had a wonderful Christmas and New Year, deactivated my Facebook account, went in the shed, lit the log burner every day, and resurrected the original KLR. And it's funny, you know, I've had seven KLRs in my life. I still own four of them, I think. And this one, which I've ridden to Mongolia, Korea, down to Iraq, all over the place, now has a different engine in it. And the characteristics have changed so much. It's a bit like like a live recording of your favourite song. You know it so well that every time you hear a different live recording of it, you can spot all the differences. I know this bike so well, but with a different engine in it, it's changed all its characteristics. Anyway, I hope, I intend to ride it back to the UK in March. Uh, I need need to come back uh, for some for some reasons and it coincides with the ace cafe overland adventure day which uh is a a very good social scene so if everything comes together i'll be riding my klr back from bulgaria bringing it back to uk for the overland adventure thing the ace cafe and there are loads of other plans loads of things a full packed year i wish i had a calendar i should really get one but uh yeah lots of things going on uh, but the first one, I suppose, is India and then riding the KLR back to UK. So, yeah, I'll try and oh, – I'll shut up now. Sorry, the Bloody measure is a bit strong, that second one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the calendar, I was going to say, you can get from Horizons Unlimited. I <laughs> know they've
4: got a yeah. –
2: uh, You know, I think a couple of years ago, I was offered – Grant offered to send me one for free and it never materialized. I was hoping it might materialize. It, <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> uh, you know, it didn't materialize? Well, I sent it to Bulgaria probably was the problem. <laughs> Yeah, I think you have to put my name on it as well.
0: (laughs) So, we've got three of yous that are doing something that's going to be really great, but we we can't hear what it is. So, I mean, really, it tells us nothing other than you've got something that's really great coming up.
2: (laughs) Aren't we helpful? It's going to be a really great year, almost definitely.
4: Graham, send me your address. I'll send you a calendar.
2: Oh, super cool, Grant. I hope you say that.
4: We have a few left. We are running running out of the calendar. It sold really, really well this year, but... uh, If you want one, there's still some available. So get it quick.
0: Well, I guess we'll move on to plugs. It is that time on the show where we're getting to the end. So starting with the plugs, we'll start off with Sam.
5: I think I just did my plug, didn't I? sort of snuck it in early. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, sorry about that. Well, yeah, I, I wound my neck in, so I'm not going to rattle about loads and loads of things. But yeah, just that the Timonium motorcycle show. Um, it's going to be a buzz, and I. It's the first time that I've been to a show in the Northeast. Um, I suppose Maryland does count as Northeast, doesn't it? So yeah, it's it's going to be a great opportunity to link up with. Um, with people from that part of the States and talking of which a couple of days ago, I had an email from, um, a chap called Steve is from North Carolina. And uh, he's just full of praise for adventure rider radio and raw. And he said, um, we'll continue to listen for, to you guys on raw, truly a great show. Always enjoy being able to listen into you as you all talk in inverted commas around the table. Um, and I promised that I would pass that on. So thanks Steve.
0: Very nice. Thanks. Well, I guess we'll move over to Shirley. What do you have, Shirley?
1: I have nothing.
3: Um, just just uh, for everyone's information, I, don't, I write for a magazine called Australian Road Rider Magazine, and um, the editor of that magazine is a fellow by the name of Greg Bleak. His nickname is Snag. And uh, Snag uh, goes to great lengths to bring um, test rides to the, the people out there in Australia and all that sort of stuff. And he was over in um, South Australia test riding the Aprilia, uh, motorcycle new Aprilias on a racetrack and was doing really, really, really good times, but came to grief, high-sided, really hurt himself, uh, eight broken ribs, um, a punctured lung. Uh, three fracture, fractures. Three fractures That's in his pelvis. And uh, luckily, he was where he was um, and was able to get assistance. So um, Snag is struggling, um, but we're, we're pulling together with a few mates to get the magazine out um, on time. And for everyone out there, magazines, particularly Motorcycle Men's magazines, struggle a bit. But you know, they've been the staple for so long, and they give you such in-depth stuff And they're great toilet reading. So get out there and buy a magazine because um, I've I've had magazines, been buying magazines since I was a little boy to to, um, fuel my passion for motorcycling. And I think um, it's an art that should not die, and hopefully it never will, but we need people to support it. So please, please, please get out there and buy not just Australian Road Rider magazine but any magazine to keep them going.
5: Well said, Brian. Here, here.
0: Graham, what do you have for a plug?
2: Uh, I don't as so much have a plug as a thank you, a sigh of relief, and a request. Um, I came off of Facebook over Christmas and New Year for a couple of reasons. I wanted to get back in the real world, live in the shed, and uh, I won't go into the other reasons. But I also... Well, actually, one of the reasons was it's been... Two and a half years since Different Natures came out, that was the last time I put my product out for public consumption. And it's a very, very scary thing to do. If any of you have ever produced anything and put it out there, whether it's a YouTube video or anything, to actually await the reaction, whether it's a podcast or, a, or whatever, it's a scary thing because there is inevitably those keyboard warriors who have never done anything in their lives who will spill negativity over everything you've done because they've never had the balls to produce anything. And uh, so I was a little bit worried because I put out the audio book and I thought, what's the reaction going to be? Are people going to like this? Are people going to like this? And I didn't want to know. And so that was another reason for coming off of Facebook and everything. When I came back on... The response has been phenomenal. I am so relieved that people like it and have bothered to email me, message me on Facebook and uh, even through the crowdfunding site, they've messaged me if they didn't have any other method just to say, We love her. It's great to hear your story, your voice. I'm doing this trip. I'm in the shed. Whatever they're doing whilst they're listening. (laughs) Unbeknownst to me, as the Christmas and New Year passed, people were listening to me telling my story. That's a wonderful around the world. What an incredible thing. Very humbling. Anyway, so... That's the, uh, thank you, that's the relief that it's been well received. So thirdly, the request, if you did like it, even, actually only if you, if you didn't like it, fine. But if you did like it, <laughs> could you go on to Amazon UK and leave a little review? That'd be brilliant. If you didn't like it, could you go on Amazon UK and lie? <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly said, Graham. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Grant, what do you have? Well I've already talked about most of it. It's the we've got the calendar. There's still a chance to get your calendars. Well, we still have a few left and the travelers meetings. there's 23 events this year all over the world, just about everywhere. Um, I'm even talking about another one in Africa with somebody, so we'll see about that. Um, just get out to one of the meetings. Have a good time. Contact all the other people. It's, the meetings are so inspirational. It just blows people away. We constantly get comments about, I came because it, was, it was sounded kind of maybe interesting and I wasn't really sure, but I thought, yeah, check it out. And they come, and they come away and say, I've got a, I'm planning a trip. I know where I'm going. I've already figured it out because I heard so many wonderful stories about all these great places I can go. And people say, it's possible. And these are just ordinary people that have done it and been there and had a great time. And now I'm inspired. And that's great. That's what it's all about. So check out one of the Hu Travelers meetings and come out and have a good time. Enjoy it. I think you'll find it's very different from your average motorcycle rally or uh, usual event. It's not a beer bash. It's not a let's let's get drunk as drunk as we can and let's have uh, see how loud the bikes are and all that kind of stuff. It's a very different. Um, some people have said it. It's very adult.
2: <laughs> that was my first impression, Grab. My yeah, very first it? HU, I parked in the furthest away place I could so I was sleeping in the van because I was expecting all night drinking, revving bikes, screaming. Again. I thought, oh, my God, this is such a responsible and mature meeting. It's so different from the rallies I used to attend. So, yeah, you're dead right.
4: Good. Glad <laughs> to hear that's it because that's, that's what, what we're aiming for.
5: <laughs> I remember you doing that, Graham, and I tried desperately hard to find people who were going to behave badly, and I was trying to send them down in your part, your part of the camping site. But could I find <laughs> No, I? No, I just,
2: I just sat on my iron in my van and drank myself stupid.
5: <laughs> Thinking, oh, you the only were the one? guy
2: doing
4: the heavy drinking.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and they revved it.
4: <laughs> well, I don't know, revving a KLR, I don't know. There's not much point to that. Oh, that's going to
0: bring in the hate mail right there. <laughs> oh, I know.
4: <laughs> You've got to raise some controversy, right? <laughs> Anyway, check out the meetings. That's basically the thing. Um, and if anybody wants to volunteer to help out at the meetings, we always need more volunteers. It's it's really, these are all volunteer run. There's just Susan and myself here at Head Office HQ. You know, we're a giant organization, two people, um, plus some volunteers and a couple of part-timers helping out on occasion on specialty stuff. But uh, the events are all volunteer run. And without the volunteers, the event can't happen. So, Please, if you're if you've been to a meeting before, or you'd like to help out, uh, it's a great way to meet lots of people. A great way to get stuck in and become a part of the scene. Uh, volunteer, please do. We'd love to have you help out.
5: I totally, totally agree with that, Grant. Um, when you volunteer at a, an hu group, you see what goes on behind the scenes, and you just meet so many people. It's the biggest icebreaker out when you're volunteering. Um, it's it's a brilliant, fun thing to do. It's not work. It's fun.
4: How do they do it, Grant? Yep. I agree totally. We I keep getting that all the time. When you go to the event, you go to register, one of the options is volunteer. Just tick the box, register, sign up, and you can choose what uh, type of, I think we got like 25 different Volunteer tasks there are none of them very major, and you just say, "Yeah, I could do that. I could. I'd be happy to help welcome people arriving at the event, or um, I'd like to help out with the slow bike race or whatever." You just tick the boxes you're interested in, and away you go. We'll check, get in contact with you, and get your schedule worked out, and you're good to go. It's easy.
0: Well, I think that wraps it up. Then I, I think that's good. We're going to call that an episode, and um, that's our first one for year three, kicking it off. Cool.
1: And a fine episode of this too. (laughs) I thought it was
3: a fine episode. Yeah. It's been fun. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, cheers, Graham. Cheers.
2: Cheers, cheers. Yeah. Cheers, you guys. I, I need to. I really need to go eat something. <laughs> Drinking on empty stomach.
3: I was. going to, go to get a scotch. Coffee. I'm going to have a bacon sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> a bacon <and> sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> coffee and scotch. Good on you, Sam. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. De- definitely time a for scotch. Bloody
0: and a bacon sandwich. Man. Breakfast
3: <laughs> <laughs> <It's turned laughs> <day. to> of champions.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: Right. I've got a lot to do today, but I think I might do an awful lot better if I go and get a scotch now.
3: <laughs>
5: Love you, work same.
3: Peace, <laughs> mate.
0: Before we go, I'm, uh, I just want to let you know that we have a bunch of photographs about the uh, the squat toilets we've been talking about on our website in the show notes for this episode. So drop by the website. I think you're going to be impressed with the different variations. And, and if you don't know, if you've never seen one, it's definitely worthwhile dropping by. Check out the show notes for this episode. Well, that wraps things up for this month's ARR Raw. Before we go, um, I'd like to ask you to drop by our website and consider clicking on the support button. That's www.adventureriderradio.com. Remember, anything think $10 or more is going to get you a sticker. Anything $50 or more is going to get you a mention on this show. So we really appreciate that. If you can't do it, that's fine. But if you can, we'd really appreciate it because we certainly need your support. Well, I want to give a special thanks to my co-host, Graham Field, lives in Bulgaria and has some great adventure motorcycle travel books for you at www.gramfield.co.uk. The most innovative and desirable travel book package ever conceived, the pannier box set, which is Graham's, the sexiest thing you can put on a bookshelf. This is all Graham's words, containing three books and with over 150 Amazon five-star reviews. That's pretty darn good. Anyway, drop by his website and check that out. Also, Sam Manicom, who lives in the UK, he has four paperback books that would take you through different countries, which turned out to be his eight-year trip around the world. Tons of information there, some really great books. You can check out his website at www.sam-manicom.com. He also does a a bunch of um, other articles and and different things. And of course, his books are all on on, uh, Audible as well. You can get them there. And Shirley and Brian, Shirley Hardy-Ricks, Brian Ricks from Australia, they've got some great moto travel books, and, uh, and they do articles on motorcycle travels. you heard Brian say there. They're available anywhere you get eBooks, or drop by their website, www.aussiesoverland.com.au. And, of course, Grant Johnson from Horizons Unlimited, which is the hub, literally, for the adventure motorcycling community. Horizons Unlimited has tons of up-to-date travel information, as well as a huge forum for connecting travelers around the world. They also put on the hub meets around the world. See a worldwide list of hub meets at www.horizonsunlimited.com. Something you definitely want to do this summer is attend one of their meets. Special thanks, of course, to our producer, Elizabeth Martin. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Raw. See you next month.